Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have your payback recap, your all-out recap. Jay Uso is back on Raw. Chad Gable takes Gunther to the limit. CM Punk gets fired. We're going to talk about it, and then we're never going to say his name ever again. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. I wanted that to be like Vince talking about Benoit. (laughs) (laughs) He who shall not be named ever again. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to the band from Ringside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Veggie, a.k.a. I'm looking for the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to break kayfabe. And sitting directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCP? (laughs) F-L-O-R-I-T-A-S-T-A-T-E. Florida State, Florida State, Florida State. Woo! We're back! We're back! On a national stage, it was a great fucking Sunday night. I had to watch both Florida State, LSU, and All Out. At the same time, I love me some Michael Wallace Seals. That was a great fucking idea. Thank you very much for putting that in my head. And on that note, we know I'll ask their congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band for Ringside Podcast, Volume 324, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart say it, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the Holy Trinity of BFR. So I usually take notes on the week and I usually do one side of AEW, and then I do the other side of WWE, and I literally ran out of room. I'm like, thanking God that Dynamite wasn't a real deep show because I had the corner little yeah. right-hand side for Dynamite. Your boy was running out of room. Plenty Lot, of shit to talk about this week. Lots of wrestling out there in Portland, Oregon. Zach, 5'8", 250 pounds. Big fan of Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah, two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on? Two beers. Hoisted <laughs> by my own punchline. Oh, man. That is a fun little clip from Zach's stand up set that he had a couple weeks ago that will be shared on the socials sometime soon. But uh, quite a bit of fun. I can't wait for everybody else to see it. How are you, Zach? I'm doing well. I wish I could match your guys' energy. Uh, I'll, I'll work on it. I just got done staring at Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations for the last uh, seven hours. So uh, I'm on my first year, so we'll get there. But, uh, yeah, uh, I did create new socials for um, for comedy, and you'll love this. I, I got tired of, like, trying to figure out variations on my name because, like, most of them were taken and, like, a couple of them by me so with my personal socials. So uh, my new handles for uh, Instagram and Facebook for my new accounts are at ITYSL fan. So at I think you should leave fan. <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, that's what I got. So uh, yeah, feel free to give me a follow. There's no content yet. But, uh, we'll okay. Uh, repeat that one more time. Just- at- I-T-Y-S-L fan. There you go. Uh, so, like I said, we're coming at you from beautiful St. Charles, Missouri. It is uh, just a, about a perfect night. It's one of those nights where there's, like, no weather. 
Uh, so it's very nice to be out here. Tons of wrestling to get to. Tons of wrestling to get to. Um, so... First things first, let's get this fucking thing out of the way. Let's get to that three count. <laughs> okay, man. All right, man. See, you going to keep doing this shit. It's going to be hard to bring him back down to the world we call Earth. Man, I watched it. That's also from Zach's stand-up. I watched it. I was like, I need two. And then I was like, man, there's so many in here I could pull out as drops. It would be so much fun. All but- bullshit aside, I, w- I will double down on what Bill said. It's a seven-minute set. And I wanted to look away just because I know who Zach is. I've seen him multiple times. I just wanted to look away and see if he's just as funny without me watching the actual set. It's just as funny. It's like literally a Thursday night in seven minutes compacted. It's let's not. We don't want to build it up too much, but uh, we're excited for everybody to see it. So JCB. What's that one count? Jeez oh, Louise. Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? We'll, think... just, we'll just do it the way we normally do it, just chronological order. We're going to fly over to Pittsburgh, PA, home of the six-time, hopefully seven-time Super Bowl champion, Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to talk a little payback six-match card with John Cena being the special guest host. I thought about you when John Cena uh, – what's up? Sorry to interrupt. Is Michael Vick over there? What's going on in the background? I know, man. It's just the dogs going nuts. Sorry about that. <laughs> Is it your dog? No, it's, it's fine. one it's of my dog and the two neighbor dogs, and then there's dogs back there too. Yeah, okay. Mike Michael Vick's here. We got the Michael Vick. No, the the dogs wouldn't be running around here barking. They'd be running around here dead, or they'd be tied up to the. You know what? Let's just keep going. Okay. The ASPCA would be making a, a house call here if that was the case. Um, Another one. I never even heard that one. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll be here for the next couple hours. I'm nowhere near as good as Zach. That, that's the extent of my comedy. Um, biggest takeaway? I, honestly, I don't think there's a real huge takeaway. Um, uh, Judgment Day winning the tag tiles, I guess. That, to me, was the... The swerve, if there was a swerve, which there shouldn't have been, considering the the stip as a a no holds barred, no DQ match, it this that had basically should have been a, a slam dunk for Judgment Day upon retrospect. But let's just break down the card. We'll start at the top. Uh, probably the most surprising match of the bunch is the one I was looking forward to the least that arguably delivered the most was the curtain jerker, Becky Lynch versus uh, Trish Trash in the steel cage. Like I said, I have very, very low expectations for this. The feud, for me, started to wane as it progressed to the point where I was even – I was a little pissed that this got on to the payback card and Gunther and Chad Gable didn't. So, obviously, coming into it, not very excited about this, but the ladies changed my mind, and I will give them all the credit in the world – Becky Lynch goes over in a barn burner curtain jerker to start off payback. I thought Trish Stratus, this is probably her best match of the bunch in this Becky-Trish little feud that they've had going on. So kudos to uh, both women in that scenario. But I I thought, obviously, Becky Lynch was the right person to go over. Right one did go over. So in that scenario, for something that I did not have a lot of expectations for, this was a very positive start to payback. Zach, what'd you think of this match? Man, this match was awesome. And I didn't give a single shit about it going in. 
and this was um, like one of the best WWE women's matches, one of the best just American women's matches uh, of the year. Um, I do think it's funny that they think that like blading is like barbaric or something and they won't let them do it, but they'll just let these like beautiful women just bash each other's head into a fucking steel cage so they have like giant hematomas that finally rupture. Like, Jesus yeah, that Christ, on, they put it all out there. That night on Trisha's head was starting to grow as that match was going on. I was like, God damn. <laughs> Make sure we got an ice pack so in the back. I mean, it did do the typical WWE thing. And I, I wouldn't say just WWE. The tip, like, AEW does it too, where, like, you have a cage match to keep people out, and then that person eventually gets in. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was fantastic. And I was like, oh, all right, we got ourselves a nice little PLE here on like, I, I was watching late. I didn't have any spoilers. I, I went camping last weekend, and I was like, oh, this is a nice little treat, getting back to civilization and showering for the first time in four days. But, um, <laughs> it was kind of all downhill from here, honestly. Spoiler alert. Oh, I don't know if it was all downhill from here. This was a really good match, though. It WWE does this thing where they... Anytime it looks like it's going to be an underwhelming card, they over-deliver. It didn't always used to be this way. But um, this was a really great match. They put on a hell of an effort, and it was very entertaining to watch. Very just hella fun. I thought that Trish Stratus was great in this match, and she was the one that I was worried about pulling her weight, so to speak. So fucking awesome. I loved it. I was, like I said, didn't have a lot of expectations, but... uh Dare I say, over-delivered, to say the least. Um, John Cena's segment comes out and basically sets up the next match where Miz uh, confronts John Cena. They have some words. L.A. Knight comes out. So now we have the L.A. Knight-Miz match with John Cena as the special guest referee. This was, as much as I don't mind John Cena coming back for whatever length of time this is and whomever he feuds with, that's great. I don't necessarily care about that. I did have a problem with him being the special guest referee here, especially in a scenario where L.A. Knight kind of needs this dub. It didn't necessarily have the best optics in the world where you have John Cena as the ref, neither here nor there. It did deliver a little drama into the match as L.A. Knight and John Cena did have some uh, run-ins with each other, but nothing where we got fisticuffs. L.A. Knight gets the dub. In the end, he and John Cena shake hands on the ramp, which is essentially the John Cena rub, so to speak. So L.A. Knight hesitated, though. He did hesitate. Wasn't into it. No, and that's that's what I did like about that. It wasn't, you know, oh, yay, John Cena's giving me his seal of approval. You know, he, he said some words before he actually shook John Cena's he hand. He said, we're the same age. <laughs> and I'm a way better bitch. But, no, um. Good, not great. Um, right person definitely went over, especially if you have any sort of plans for L.A. Knight to be a mid-card champion. Obviously, in this case, we've been talking about him becoming the U.S. champion for quite some time. He said it out of his mouth. So, obviously, that's the end game. If there was any shot of him becoming that U.S. champion, he needed to win this match in particular. So, kudos to both guys. Like I said, it was good. Nothing that there was uh, – uh, scale breaking by any stretch of the imagination. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I think I said it went all downhill because it was, it was this was this was after it. Um, yeah. Like the Cena thing was so silly. Like 
you know, Miz comes out and he's, you know, he announces he's a special referee. Then Miz comes out and he's like, when you're the host, he's like, you don't just say you're the special referee. And Cena's just like, well, I'm the special referee. And I was like, okay, like, it was just so silly and uh, it didn't do anything for me. And then the match didn't do anything for me either. Um, LA Dyke seems like a great feud because they're both really good promos and Miz can lose and he's Teflon in the sense that he can just lose and lose and lose. Uh, but this watching this match was like eating just non-fat plain yogurt for 15 minutes straight. Uh, I just never did anything for me. It was not pleasant at all. John Cena didn't add anything to it. Uh, he could have been anybody. Like just Cena being there did nothing. Um, and then what like LA Knight wins the match and then Cena like shakes his hand afterward and like endorses him. Like fucking LA Knight should have laid Cena out. Just fucking oh, laid yeah. him out. It would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> I bet you would love that. Um, yeah, I thought that the segment before the match I liked it. I would have liked it a lot better if John Cena wasn't in it. And the match itself, <laughs> I liked it. I would have liked, liked it a lot better if The Miz and L.A. Knight weren't in it. Oh. Uh, but, oh, <laughs> overall, it was a pretty good segment. You know, I kind of liked it. What Zach just what Zach said is exactly what I just told my wife because I didn't really watch this match. I just heard about what happened. I kind of watched it, but we were at a wedding, and like we got back to my father-in-law's house, and I had to watch it quietly on my iPhone while Aaron was sleeping next to me. And so, like, I really didn't watch it, you know. So I just put it on while I was eating, and Aaron was in there with me, and I was trying to explain to her why L.A. Knight was so over. And she knows who the Miz is, and she knows who Cena is. She has no idea who L.A. Knight is. And then I was watching the match. I was like, holy shit, this sucks. I was like, this is, like, <laughs> some tough enough ass shit. Like, uh, he did uh, – L.A. Knight did some kind of uh, screwdriver DDT off the second rope or something, and Corey Graves goes, that was innovative. And I was like, no, it wasn't. What the fuck is he talking about? (laughs) It might have been innovative in 1950. Um, But anyway, I mean, it's fine. Get L.A. Knight the win. I'd like – I. The hate is growing inside of me for John Cena. It's like exponential. It's building off of itself. And now it's like a tapeworm inside me. And now every time I see him and he does that overacting, stupid face where he was asking Miz if he has any help for him as a host, it just drives me up a fucking wall. I can't stand him. So fucking cute. Anyway, yeah, what was next? Uh, Next up... Austin Theory gets his rematch. Well, uh, I shouldn't say gets his rematch. He won the right for his rematch against Rey Mysterio for the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Uh, nothing special here. Rey goes over. Um, I think we've all kind of talked about the decline of Austin Theory, so this to me was pretty much it could have easily been a, uh, a stone-cold web pipe lock of the week just because – we're clearly going away from Austin Theory as the mid-card champion. Now, where he goes from here, one only knows. From that point, Ray's and Santos's um, relationship is more so the focus, and that probably will be the focus going forward. Like I said, I think at some point, Santos is going to realize that Ray is in his spot, and he, that's where the snap begins. Neither here nor there. This was fine for what it was. 
nice mid-card match. Um, like I said, nothing special here. Too yeah, this was uh, just the most milk toast, boring fucking Rey Mysterio match you could ever have. I think Austin Theory. I thought he was just on. Just, I thought you were just on repeat there from the last match. <laughs> you called the last one. Why, you called the last one non-fat yogurt, and you called this one milk toast. <laughs> I'm on a breakfast kick right now. Um, the, uh, Austin Theory was either just ribbing somebody, or he was just trying to set a trivia record for like longest chin lock on a premium live event. It was fucking boring. Previously um, owned by I mean, Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a, a silent competition with a guy who's not even fucking on TV right, right. now. But just, when Randy uh, Orton did it, he was, like, trolling the crowd, though. Yeah, and Austin Theory's just trolling uh, me because I'm wasting my time with this shit. That's I mean, right. just having these two matches back-to-back, uh, where it was miserable. Uh, that's, it kind of soured me on a lot of the rest of the show, honestly. I was like, I was really hyped up, and then I was just fucking bored. And then at this point, I'm just kind of like, I'm not tuned out. I'm still watching, but I'm like, not enthused. Yeah, when I got back to uh, the house after the wedding, I went straight to the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match. So like, that didn't happen to me. Um, I'll admit, I did not watch this match. They need to turn Santos. <clears throat> that'd, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I think ultimately we will get it. It's just a matter of time. Um, Tiffany Stratton, Becky Lynch backstage setting up uh, what would be a video clip on NXT after the Tiffany Stratton title defense. Becky Lynch is challenging Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship next Tuesday night. So for those who don't watch NXT, that might be a reason to do so for those who do like watch NXT, or in this case, he really likes it. I'm growing to like it. Uh, West Wesley versus Dragonoff tomorrow night in a number one contenders match, also, or not tomorrow night, next week. I mean, I'm like tomorrow night. You what know what I meant? I meant next episode. <laughs> I'm like sitting there like, damn, SmackDown got real interested. Um, so yeah, um, something to look forward to on NXT: Stratton versus Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Not winning the NXT Women's Championship basically keeps her away from the Grand Slam, something to keep in the back of the mind. Next up, the aforementioned tag team unified title match between Judgment Day being was that um, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus KO and Sammy, the reign tag team champions in a no DQ match. Um, as I said it earlier beforehand, Watching as the match started to progress, and once Dominic came out, I was like, God damn, this is how they're going to win it. This is really fucking stupid. I couldn't believe I did not pick Judgment Day, especially in a scenario like this. Um, I thought this was probably the match of the night. Arguably this and Shinsuke, Seth Rollins, I thought were the two best matches, depending on what you like, what you were uh, invested coming into the match is basically... I think which match you liked more. This match was just uh just train wreck of four motherfuckers just doing all kinds of bonker shit. KO being the MVP, just coming jumping off of that balcony doing that swanton. I was just like, you know, holding my breath that he actually clipped the table versus missing it completely. I'm glad to see that he's upright and in one piece. From that point, 
Um, I thought the match was, like I said, arguably the match of the night, depending on what you like. Judgment Day goes over after basically emptying the cupboard, including J.D. Madonna as well, coming in to, to help out and get him some. Dominic basically helps helps out and seals the deal, but Judgment Day basically helps out uh, Priest and Finn Balor win the unified tag team titles. A little surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised. A part of me exactly. didn't want didn't want to see this end with KO and Sammy, but then the other part of me is like, KO and Sammy do feel like they need to go their own way on a singles run, whatever that may be. Seth is going to need opponents at some point. If Caprice cash in at some point and successfully cash in, now you have more so of opponents for Damian Priest. So ultimately, I wasn't mad. I was surprised, but pleasantly surprised. Zach? Yeah, same. Uh, I honestly can't believe I didn't really think of it, especially with the setting of a Philadelphia street fight. Uh, but yeah, this was my second favorite match of the night after the women's cage match. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Kind of typical street fight WWE stuff at the beginning. But uh, it really kind of went into the next level whenever Dominic came out and then they popped back up out of the crowd wearing the Penguins jersey. And then KO took that nasty, nasty bump. Oh, my God. His tailbone's got to be hurting. But, uh Yeah. Uh, it also furthers the Judgment Day storyline. It's really cool. They're the new bloodline. They got all the gold, uh, except for like the main belt. But Damian Priest has the money in the bank. So, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. This is what I wish they would have done with the Hurt Business the first time around, is just have those guys draped in gold. Don't because because this looks badass, and this Don't is start. very cool. And you're right, Zach. Like, once it happened, it's like, you know what? This... When we were all doing our predictions, we all picked KO and Sami Zayn, and we I don't remember having that much uh, consternation about it. I nope. was like, yep, it's KO and Sami Zayn, um, and then when it happened, uh, can we give KO some time off? I know he's a little beat up. and then he, like, <laughs> So Sami Zayn has this thing with, it looks like they're going to have a story with Jey Uso, maybe a little bit, not saying that they're going to be uh, fighting each other, but they might be on each other's side. But this match... To me, fucking four and a half stars, man. This match, A+. I loved the shit out of this match. Sami Zayn and KO are maybe underrated at this point. Like, they are clicking on all cylinders. They were awesome. This match was awesome. They were against two game dudes. What are you giving me that look for? I, I don't think you can call them underrated at this point. I think you can call Kevin Owens underrated. No. Hell no. No. No, you cannot. All right. Well, I mean, I, I just, I guess this is just me saying how much I love Kevin okay, Owens. Just because, go with that. You cannot right. call him underrated. That this is match, a hard This note. match fucking ruled. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love having Judgment Day dra- draped in gold. Uh, sorry. Uh, I was looking at my notes. Grayson Waller effect is, was next with uh, Cody Rhodes as the guest. Um, as much as I liked I shouldn't say light as much as I like Grayson Waller. This wasn't necessarily the greatest segment. It basically sets up the opening segment for, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, Jay Uso returns to, uh, I guess, WWE 
he's going over to Raw, and then obviously compensation from Adam Pearce's mouth is going back to SmackDown. We'll talk about that in a second. Jey Uso comes out and ultimately super kicks the dog shit out of Grayson Waller right in the motherfucking mouth. I, I, I will be lying if I said I did not laugh out loud when this happened. This was like 3, 4 in the morning, so I know the whole apartment complex heard me when he got kicked in the mouth, but I thought it was the best, obviously the best, the high part of the segment. So coming out of this, the main thing to know is, number one, <laughs> Grayson Waller, still love your brother. I'm glad that he's in the ring so that way he can get some of the heat from – the uh the talking segments into the rings to so he can get heat in ring in ring heat on his character and then number two most importantly Jay Uso leaving SmackDown on the way to Raw so that breaks up the Usos for the moment now from that point if we're going to get uh Jay and Jimmy at WrestleMania that's going to be a little bit of a trick and then the the bigger question the compensation coming back to SmackDown is that one Cody Rhodes. What do you think, Zach? I mean, sticking with my breakfast analogies, this is like when you order a full English and then there's like a tomato on there and you're like, oh, I fucking forgot there was a tomato on here even though it was advertised. <laughs> and you're like, just fucking get it out of here. Like, I don't need this now. Just give it to me later. Like, they could just put their shit on fucking Monday Night Raw. Like, I, I didn't need this. I got shit to do on the weekend. I don't fucking need this. It's It's fine. Fucking move it. You got three. You got five hours of TV to fucking fill up. Just get this the fuck off the paper. Didn't see it. Next. Um, <laughs> the, the you did all the right things here. Yeah, I was about to say I, I, I'm the only professional one around here. Queer. Am I the only professional? Yeah, exactly. Um, Raquel Rodriguez versus Rhea Ripley for the WWE Women's Heavyweight Championship. Um, this was probably the one that. I, I said it on uh, PSP this afternoon. I don't mind a predictable match, but the match needs to be good, dare I say, great to elevate the match so that way I don't necessarily mind the predictable finish. This just didn't do it, at least in my eyes. Um, Raquel Rodriguez is going to be a women's champion at some point. It's, it's just down the line. It's not happening here. These in NWA. No, in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the building blocks, the foundation to her story, to where when she ultimately does win it, it will be her crowning achievement. Now, that being said, I didn't think this match was bad, but I didn't think it was good enough to get away from a predictable finish. What do you think about it, Zach? Yeah, it was fine, uh, predictable, but uh, they, had a, they had a pretty fun match. And uh, I think the only thing that made me suffer a little bit was the uh, crowd isn't necessarily looking for, like, a competitive match from Rhea. But at the same time, uh, Raquel is, like, a formidable opponent. Like, especially she's, like, one of the few women that is, like, the same size as Rhea. So she can give a competitive match. I just think that the crowd really likes uh, seeing Mommy just fucking smash these fucking little bitches around yeah. and um, they just weren't as uh, into it for this but they had a good good match um, I, yeah I, I disagree in terms of Ray, Raquel Rodriguez I don't think that in kayfabe style she is uh, that she's even in Rhea's league yet and I think that at the beginning of this match especially the uh, the moment seemed a little big for her she looked 
She didn't look comfortable to me. Okay, then that that's what I said. No way that she was going to win this match, number one. Number two, I'm not going to do, sit here and, and go into the psychological portion of did, was this bit too big of the moment. I didn't think it was. If it was a slow start, like you you think it was – better choice of words. Was it a slow start or you just think the whole match was just too big for I Bridges? thought that Raquel Rodriguez was not very good in this match. Okay, that's where I disagree. And I I'm, as and I'm match, coming in. I'm, I'm coming in with my own preconceived stuff because I'm. I've been tough on her in the past, and because I'm not that big of a fan necessarily. But I did go in with that those thoughts, and I was disappointed in this match. I and I was not disappointed in Rhea Ripley at all. I don't think the question was Rhea. The question was always going to be Raquel Rodriguez. I don't think it was nearly as yeah. bad as you thought it was. That's just me. Um, by no means, once again, was this a scale-breaker match by any stretch, but I thought it was good enough to pass, be a passable match. The crowd wasn't invested into it, and that's half the problem to begin with. Now, from that point, whoever's in the ring, in this case, Rhea and Raquel are going to have to tell their story to get us invested into it, which they didn't do. If you want to blame Raquel Rodriguez for it, your prerogative to do so. I just don't think that it, there was enough being done not a great build. The person across from Rhea was incredible enough to make us believe, oh, shit, this might actually happen, and then the match yeah. itself was flat. Okay. I, I'm, I'm good on this match. What's next? Main <laughs> event, uh, obviously, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I would, like I said before, leading up to this match, very intrigued, very invested in this particular uh, Shinsuke heel persona. This felt like more so of a authentic Shinsuke versus the less trade dick kicks between he and AJ Styles heel Shinsuke. Um, arguably second, third best match of the night, depending on what you have ranked up there. I thought this was really good. Uh, Shinsuke going after the back, I thought was a, a, obviously the smart move, and I wanted to see that come into play, which it did. Seth felt, felt like I, when he won, it felt like he snuck out the victory, and that's the first thing I felt like yeah. in my mind. And I was like, okay, so I know this is not going to end like this. So I waited like the old uh, NXT TakeOver days, you wait until the screen is black. So I just sat there and I waited and I waited and it went black. I was like, oh, so that's it? And I think that to me was like something yeah. that was just left me. But then they did it off camera yeah. after the fact and we just showed it on Monday night. Right. So why didn't you just, just why, why wasn't that on the show? show? Yes. So that to me, I thought it wasn't crucial enough right. to take away from the match itself because clearly this is after the match. But I thought it, it was – it would have been a good enough cliffhanger to where now it's like, oh, Monday night is now must-see versus, oh, uh, you know, if you didn't like the match, now it fell flat and you don't have a reason to watch because I, you didn't you didn't I, see this part. I'm with you a, a thousand percent. Uh, I thought the match was, to me, this was probably my second favorite match of the night. Women's match one, Seth Shinsuke two, tag <gasps> match three. What you think, Zach? Look, he's on the fucking stage. I mean, I know, damn. I know. You act like you know he, he's off like fifth place and I, shit. I let he it got go. Bronze. I let it. I just made a little noise. A little noise. I inhaled him off. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I would put this at number three. Um, I think uh, maybe the 
holding something back because they're going to do it again. Although I just feel like Seth is fantastic, and I feel like he puts it out there every night, no matter who he's wrestling. He is wrestling. He's main event, Seth Rollins. And I don't feel like a lot of people rise to his level, and I think Shinsuke could have, but I just don't feel like he did. Um, and maybe it was because they're going to do it again or something. But sometimes you see a match, and you're like, holy shit, those guys left it all out there. Like, you know, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, like in the Tokyo Dome, and they're like, oh, yeah, you thought that was good. Like, we held a lot of shit back. And you're like, no way. And then they have another match, and you're like, oh, you guys did. <laughs> but uh, I just don't understand why uh, maybe – when I put these two guys together, I expected more uh, out of this match. And I, I, I don't put it on Seth. Um, I, I just kind of put it on Shinsuke. But it was still, it was fine, but it wasn't like a pay-per-view main event. It never felt uh, like it reached that level. Um, everything was cool about this match to me, except for Shinsuke not going over. I thought, like, while I was watching, I was like, you know what? They really should put Shinsuke over here. Like, they told him, they told him the good enough story about Rollins having a weakness. Shinsuke's a good enough wrestler that he was really focusing on the back. Seth was selling the shit out of it, really sold it in the last five, ten minutes of the match and afterwards really well. It's like, man, they could have pulled the trigger right there, and it, like, it would have been surprising, but it would have been the right move because I think that this Shinsuke character and letting him cut promos in his native tongue and just having subtitles, I think it's getting over and I think he's a believable heavyweight champion. I wish they would have done it, but alas, I, I think that he's going to win it fast lane. That is, that's, uh, that's my early prediction. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a philosophical question. Is it possible for a main roster WWE match to win a, the B for, for match of the year in 2023 or 2024. Does the style of match just not allow for a match of the year candidate? Like a true, like, because it got me thinking when Zach was talking about Osprey and Omega, I was thinking about Osprey and Omega, and I was thinking how my expectations for that were so much higher than Rollins Nakamura. But if it was Rollins Nakamura at all in, my expectations would be through the fucking roof. So my question is, is it even possible in a world where AEW and New Japan exist for a WWE main roster match to reach match of the year heights? Uh, Jason, what do you think? Uh, I say yes, and half the battle is the story that's being told. And I don't think that's just exclusive to WWE. That's AEW, that's New Japan, that's any promotion if you're telling a good enough story, that's going to get us invested. Now, the match itself, to me, is the the bonus, but it, it's still an important cog of this whole thing. That's the payoff. So, to answer the question, I say yes. KO and Sammy versus the Usos, I think, is one of those matches that if you're not going to put it on your short list for match of the year, it's a tag team match of the year. It can be done. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's never going to happen. You just have to – the right story has to be told. People have to invest, and then the match itself has to deliver. Credit where credit's due. That match ruled. Zach, what do you think? Uh, just If you say, like, 2023, just in a world where you could have an Osprey Omega, I just got to – they just like Detective Crash Warden, be like, not that year. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
any like Jason said, if, it's going to be more like story investment. Matt's quality as far as like in ring, the styles are just different. So they're not going to be allowed to elevate to that kind of transcendent level. But what they can do is uh, elevate the story and get that investment going. Uh, I think WWE's proven that they they can do that. But uh, man, I mean that. Osprey Omega match might be the fucking best match I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I didn't mean 2023 like specifically the matches that we've seen. I mean like the Royal 2023, like just the oh, the, sure. the, the environment. The, yeah, the environment that we live in. I think you could like, uh, yeah, you know, something that's long term. I think they had it with the Bloodline. I don't think they have it anymore. I think. Uh, I think. Like Sami Zayn winning the title in Montreal might have done it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, dude. It's over. Let it go. Yeah, but uh, so, okay. So (laughs) my answer to this question is nuanced, and I'll try not to go on too long, but I have a lot of thoughts about this. So the question was, can a WWE main roster match in the wrestling culture of 2023, is it even possible for a WWE main roster match to be match of the year? <sighs> the answer is no. Let's get to that two count. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> two beer. Oh, up next with the two count, we have Zach, 5'8", 250 pounds. Big fan of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Zach? That's my dog. <laughs> oh, man, that's so creepy out of context. Uh, <laughs> you know that drop's never going away, right? Oh, man, I'm going to have so many more. <laughs> you said the words Hyman Hamburglar on that. <laughs> I wanted that yeah. to be the AKA. Yeah, wanted, Vice is here. I wanted that to be the Vice AKA sent me, like, right after Zach sent it to us last night, Vice, like, sent me AKA Hyman Hamburglar. And I thought about it, and I was like, man, that's not going to make sense to anybody. <laughs> and it just sounds crazy. In the context of Zach's comedy, it makes sense, but just out of the blue. Oh, my God. Fuck the marks. I was just uh, trying to shout out my boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's One the two ca- interesting <laughs> Good. that you can come up with? Um, <laughs> you said that shit, boy. I about fell out of my chair. I was like, hey, hell no. <laughs> so um, I, let's go with uh, All Out. Talk about um, Collision. Uh, really, the only thing that happened on Collision was uh, Punk announcing or uh, Tony Khan announcing that CM Punk that has been fired. That's that, that, that'll that'll be the three count. We, we can we can yeah, skip we, that and just talk about the show. Yeah. So um, I mean, Dennis Rodman was there. I don't know um, how relevant that is. I know they were in Chicago and. Tony was a big WCW fan, and, you know, when WCW was good, as was I. But, um, man, Dennis Rodman is an old man anymore. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, oh, nigga, so, you ain't lying. That motherfucker look rough. <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of – I mean, you can't spend too much time in North Korea to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was looking Kim Jong ill. Fucking uh, anyway. <laughs> 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 hey, a. That's really good. 
It's because they have a soul. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm trying um, to find my new drops here. Shit. Go ahead. Uh, so we had the zero hour, and we had uh, a battle royal. Just a oh battle royal. God. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> one, so got something, and we donated $50,000. or Tony Khan donated $50,000 to uh, Chicago Public Schools. So it was a nice little pop. Uh, good thing, and it also was thematically appropriate for Adam Page's character being a former public school teacher. So uh, pretty neat. Um, I did not know that. I did not know he was a high school teacher. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, uh, those, like, and because he's, like, still, like, probably barely 30. Those fucking, like, he probably had so many girls just crushing on him so much. This hunky cowboy was a fucking pro wrestler, like, on the weekends. Jesus Christ. Um, it makes anyway. sense they taught high school, though, because he cuts a promo like somebody's uh, shop project. <laughs> Damn! Oh. <laughs> oh. We'll get there. <laughs> I ain't been catching strays and shit. I mean, Swerve already beat the man down on national TV, man. You just coming yeah, over man. just like it's Harlem Nights. Here comes Bill. He's like Pinocchio before he's a real boy. <laughs> oh, wouldn't? Um, that's right. So, <laughs> dude, that's oh, shit. Okay. okay? Hey, you know how I always get one new guy to start picking on for a while. <laughs> I'm tired of Wheeler Yuta. He's off to this side. Give me Hangman. Oh, no, we, we Moving kicking, my way up the card. We kicking little brother to the curb? What the fuck? Forged and forged and forged. Just forging and forging. <laughs> you got to take over, Zach. This motherfucker's starting to get out of hand. All right, so uh, we had a... Standard like party match, uh, Willow Nightingale, Sky Blue, and Akarashita. They beat Athena, Diamante, and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, who was out there with Billy Starks. Um, nothing, nothing much here. Uh, it was just uh, get these gals on the card, have a match. Maybe we can get some challengers for Athena, like coming out of this. But um, yeah, nothing to nothing to really say too much about it. Uh, and then we had uh, the guys who are. Always on the pre-show, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Tottenham Singh. Do they do they have a, a name that group with Karen Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt? They're a DOA. I, I know that Lethal and Jarrett as a tag team were called Triple J. Triple J. Okay. Go with DOA. Which is another AEW name that just takes two names and puts them together. Triple J. Yeah. Swerving our glory. God. And. Uh, you know, they they were with the, the acclaimed Daddy Ass, and then the Rodman was out there. And um, this was, again, just kind of a party match. It was like a house show match. Like, I don't really have a lot to say about it, um, unless you guys do. Uh Rodman was just, uh, uh, what did he do? He, uh, he broke the guitar over Sottenham Singh. And then I saw Billy Gunn just fucking yelling at him to get out of the ring. And he was sitting there like, while, while he did the same after and stuff. It was pretty funny. He's just in the ring. Anyway, no, it was like, dude, what are you doing? Listen, Dennis Robin used to get a lot of rebounds, and I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> That's it. That motherfucker on the roll over here, ladies and gentlemen. Shit. <laughs> What's next? All right. So, finally, we get to the show's open here. Uh, better than you, baby. Uh, 
Porter, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds who are out there with Evil Uno. And, um, man, uh, this was fun. And, I mean, it was a good match. I just don't understand at all why these guys are out here. Like, I, I will never understand why. So, we're building a pay-per-view after the biggest pay-per-view of all time. Or the biggest, like, you know, like, wrestling event of all time, right? This show, the, the theme of it was, like, looks okay on paper, could be better. And then, like, blown away by this show. I fucking loved it. Um, spoiler alert. But... This was like something where you're just like fucking really better than you, baby, versus the Dark Order. You can't fucking come up with anybody better. And then they had a fucking really fun match. Um, of course but, they did. Uh, and then they it was like that's not really, the point. <laughs> they had a lot of uh, clever storytelling device. MJF, you know, injures his neck, walks out, uh, inevitably comes back in, uh, you know, to um, help because it was like basically a handicap match at that point. Uh, but uh, this was. A lot of fun because uh, not just what happened during the match, which they ended up winning, of course, because the Dark Order is not going to be better than you, Bebe. But uh, we got a callback that was probably five-ish years old. Uh, whenever they're walking back to the uh, to the uh, back, and Samoa Joe's music hits because, and I love that. I think it was Nigel mm-hmm. McGinnis, or maybe it was Excalibur. Covered and they're like champion's prerogative. He can come out first or second. Like it's entirely up to him. And uh, he comes out and he just fucking shoves MJF just like he did whenever MJF was a young boy at an NXT show and he shoved him into the wall, which is like a total meme now. And MJF's so pissed that he runs after him and starts fighting him, and Joe just chokes him out immediately. And Adam Cole like followed him, but he didn't like follow him too close. Like he didn't get physical with Joe at all. And they're, like, supposed to be boys. Uh, so there's a lot of layers here. This is a, a multi-layered, story-wise match. Because now you're like, oh, is MJF's neck actually hurt? Because if it is, uh, then, you know, it's like an ultimate baby face, like, turnaround where he comes back and he fires up and he ends up helping win the match. Or is MJF just, like, working everybody because he doesn't actually want to work as often as he's being forced to work because he's like a double title holder now. And so he's just like, I'm going to fake a neck injury and like, go, you know, fucking bang a rat in the back or whatever. Um, so uh, anyway, lots of layers here. Very fun. Um, yeah. I say this motherfucker. He said bang a rat. rat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm not doing enough over here. You guys are just, you know, shining so bright this evening. You know, I'm just kind of like in the background, you know, doing a little jig in the background, you know, background music and shit, you know, I'm just a, a fucking backup singer tonight. Um, <laughs> let's just start with the, the Joe part of the whole thing. I did find it, like, extremely weird that Joe came out right away, but then they explained it off, so I was like, okay, cool. But then he just shoved the shit out of MJF. I was like, oh. Oh, so this is how we doing things. The only thing that I can say that I didn't like about it is – if whoever wins this tournament, this Grand Slam tournament, it's not named Samoa Joe, we're going to be disappointed. Because as soon as he pushed Joe, I was like, oh, shit, it's on. We're getting Joe and MJF. And that's how my mind thinks. We're getting Joe and MJF. I'm saying if we don't. Because Roddy Strong's on the other side. Yeah. So we have, that to me is my guess of the final, Joe and Roddy. If we get Roddy Strong. Which could be a really cool match. 
But I think there would be a smidge right of disappointment because as soon as Joe pushed him, I know I I was just I was had the, the uh I was watching the game, but I was looking over at the side because the, the match is over. It's like okay, cool. We can do whatever. I'm watching the game, and I just happened to look over because I heard Joe's music. I was like, damn, Joe's coming out? And I watched it, and I'm like, as soon as he pushed him, I was like, oh, it's on. We can Joe MJF for next. And that's immediately how I think. I don't think that the that's, Roddy match would be bad. I just, For me, it's just going to be a tear We down. are going to end up getting Adam Cole versus Roddy. It's We're getting Joe versus MJF. I don't have much to say about this MJF-Adam Cole match except, listen, I know it's over with the crowd, but I really can't stand the kangaroo kick shit. I really can't stand Damn, it. Damn, you sound like me, man. What the fuck? It is. It is. <laughs> I don't want to get all Jim Cornette on anybody. Ham texted me last week after he listened to the podcast. He's like, dude, you went full Jim Cornette like three times. That's what he said to me. He said that to me <laughs> at a dinner. Oh, I, I wish this was a visual meeting right now. My mouth is, like, <laughs> dropped to the floor. I don't want to get all Jim Cornette, but that is beneath the world title holder. Wow. Uh, Joe MJF is going to fucking rule. The segment on Dynamite Woo. was fucking – I mean, Joe is so good in situations like this, and MJF is, like, size-wise, he's just a believable enough underdog. It's like Joe should be whooping up on him, but, man, MJF's big enough to where you can see, like, if he has a good night, Joe has an off night, kayfabe style, that MJF could go over. It's a, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that segment, uh, we can talk about that now just to loop it all in together, skip it later. That segment was absolutely fire. Uh, and bringing it back to what Jason was saying, I think, because we have two shows, right? We have Grand Slam, and then we have Wrestle Dream. So... What I'm thinking is uh, for the, the winner of the tournament wrestles MJF at Grand Slam. So I'm thinking that uh, somehow Roderick Strong ends up winning the tournament, but we still get Joe MJF at Wrestle Dream. So we have to build up two shows like pretty much back to back. So I think those are going to be the two two main events there. I should also I should add though that when Ham explained to me the three segments the three takes that I had that were Jim Cornette-ish I was like yeah he's right that was, <laughs> I do sound like Jim Cornette there. I uh, say man don't justify yourself man speak your truth. Oh I mean, hey listen. Extra mayo I got, <laughs> I got a little bit I got a little bit of Jim Cornette in me. That's fine. Speak your truth, dog. Don't let that. Don't let I that had sex you. with his wife a few times. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, whoa. that is Jim Cornette, right? Who gets accused of like he likes watching guys fuck his wife? Yes. Okay, I think so. Yeah, I didn't want to slander him if it was grill a monsoon or something. <laughs> what, what, what's up next? What's up next? Yeah. Thank you, Vice. Get a hold what's of the show. <laughs> I met Jim Cornette at StarCast. He gave me one drink. I felt really tipsy. <laughs> I'm like, did you? I didn't see him. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so, pups. the Mojo uh, beat Jane Taylor in what was not the best big guy match of the night. Um, and, but it was still totally fine. Pretty quick. Uh, and like we just talked about earlier, uh, pretty uh, pretty predictable, but Kevin Kelly said it. He was like, 
the heavyweight fight, this one ain't going 15 rounds. Like, heavyweight fights don't last that long. And this one didn't. Uh, Cooking a clutch and R.I.P. Shane Taylor um, for this this night, at least. Yeah, this match. I saw a lot of people online talking about how great this match was and how good Shane Taylor looked. Uh, okay, uh, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. This match was fine. As one of the matches I was looking forward to, this match definitely did not live up to at least the hype in my mind. As quick as it may have been, and this Kelly might have rightfully explained this isn't going 15 rounds or whatever the case may be. It didn't feel like it was worthy enough for the time invested. Shane Taylor is a way better opponent than for Joe than this. It should have got more time. It should have felt like it was more so of a, a banger match that we end up getting later on, but neither here nor there. I'm not going to oh, explain yeah. away the, the booking of Tony Khan. Tony wants Shane to go down. He went down. He went down fairly quickly. So it is what it is. What's up? All right. So then we uh, moved on to what was a very fun match. Uh, Luchasaurus uh, beat Darby Allen, And because of the whole Christian thing with him calling himself a TNT champ and him carrying around the belt all the time, we really don't get to see Luchasaurus that much. And also, Luchasaurus is out forever with like a shoulder injury. We've seen him like do squashes and stuff, but we really haven't seen him do a lot of uh, just matches. And this was really fun. Luchasaurus. He didn't do a lot of his, like, super athletic stuff because he's the big monster heel, and so that's not his role here. Uh, but, um, yeah, absolutely put the heat on Darby Allen a lot. Um, just kind of beat the shit out of him. They did a lot of fun stuff. There was a code red the top or middle rope that was um, had a delayed enough kickouts that got some booze. Like, some fans thought it should have been three. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, this thing ended up uh, being just, I was really into it. There were some good near falls, including that one. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he ended up pinning him. He did, like, a tombstone, and then he stood back up, and he did, like, another one. That was nuts. Um, so, uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I like this match, too. I love Darby Allen. I love Darby Allen fighting big guys. Luchasaurus is completely fine. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan but he's completely fine Darby Allen he's a great wrestler uh he should never this might be a little bit of foreshadowing he should never wrestle somebody smaller than him let's just say that uh but yeah I was in this match what's up um when I was watching this match I was thinking about the the Nick Wayne Darby Allen uh relationship and I was like I was thinking to myself is Nick Wayne gonna cost Darby Allen this matchup and I was thinking, like, you know, it, it's too early for him to to flip heel and swerve us like that. But somehow, some way, you know, it's a bump here or he's chasing Christian around and, you know, Darby gets distracted. And that ultimately kind of happened where, you know, it's he had, Christian had Nick Wayne and had the chair over him. It was like, you know, get your ass off the top rope and, you know, Darby had to make that decision of whether or not he was going to go ahead and, and do what he needed to do or save his friend, and he chose to save his friend, which ultimately cost him the match. That, to me, is where Christian is just gold right now. Anything he does to me is just 
sevens and elevens. I'm just using the crap table analogy because that's that's how I see him right now at the top of the craps table, and he can do no wrong. I literally jumped out of my chair. I was like, oh, thank God. I, I like Darby, but I want Christian to be a champion, quote-unquote, for as long as humanly possible. Darby's been the TNT champion. He doesn't need to be TNT champion. He doesn't need to be AEW title or bust for him. Maybe the inter, uh, international title, if, if you feel like that's elevated over the TNT title, which in my case, I think it is. Neither here nor there. Um, I think the right person ultimately went over. Darby is bigger than this, obviously, because he's in the uh, the tournament for the uh, AEW championship. So good, not great, but Christian is always the man. And it's, always watch, it's always fun to watch him in these moments. He's incredible. Speaking of incredible, uh, Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs completely overachieved. So we imagine this is going to be a big guy match. Uh, you knew it. And even Excalibur said, you know, the, the big E line that we always say, big meaty men slapping meat. Dude, it's like Chicago heard him and they just took over. And usually I'm not a like fan of like the crowd trying to put themselves over, but this was a lot of fun. I mean, like there was a slap that meat. Uh, this is meaty meat forever. The best. <laughs> There's holy meat chance. Um, I mean, this was just absolutely awesome. Uh, I love this match. I like this is like the kind of thing that, uh, and this is like the style of match that can get like a match of the year kind of contender for like WWE. Uh, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, ends up Miro uh, after they traded finishing moves and traded near falls. Uh, Miro ends up putting him in the game over. And uh, Powerhouse Hobbs taps out. Um, and then, uh, you know, after the match, because uh, Hobbs and Miro, they're, you know, he's keeping an eye on him. Like, Hobbs kind of offers him a sign of respect. And, like, Miro's keeping an eye on him. And he's keeping an eye on him. He's, like, slowly backing up. And he's like, I'm not taking my eyes off you. And then he finally does take his eyes off of him. And then Hobbs attacks him. And it's like, oh, shit. Um, so... Uh, all people comes out to make the save it's uh on the big screen hot and flexible and i was like oh shit what my sister was in the room with me when i was watching she was like i was like yeah it's a big pay-per-view i was like i was like oh this match is fucking awesome then she's like hot and flexible i was like yeah you know it's wrestling Still wrestling. And Deal with it. So her husband, her husband's getting her ass, his ass beat, and so hot and flexible. Uh, CJ Perry, who we don't even know what her name's going to be in AEW, but that's her real name. Uh, she strikes a pose, and then she kicks off her shoes and she runs down the ring. And I tell you what, this almost soured the entire pay per view on me because. This producer had one fucking job, and we cut to a, a wide arena shot of her running down the ring. Like, if CJ Perry is running down the ring, you may watch that shit. <laughs> you, do not, you do not cut wide. I paid 50 fucking dollars for this thing. 50 fucking dollars, and you fucking cut to a fucking arena-wide shot. Jesus Christ fucking Bush League. Anyway, uh, she hits him with a chair, which does nothing. And um, then we get a, a weird thing where it seems like Miro is like, doesn't think she's real. It's like Miro has like a two-year-long storyline in his head that 
he's telling, but like they're not telling on TV at all. Like you know, he's never had the opportunity to tell this story. But there's like a very complex story here that we don't know anything about. Maybe maybe we'll find out. I don't. We didn't find anything out on Wednesday, so yeah, maybe he, on collision. He has barely said in his promos. He talks about how he's not faithful to his or he doesn't trust his wife anymore or something. But like. His promos are his vignettes are pretty few and far between. So it's like you really got to be paying attention to Miro promos to know what exactly what the hell's going on. Hold on. So first things first, let's get this fucking thing out of the way. This match fucking ruled. It was unbelievable. Um, I had to watch this match. I was I, so I was watching the pay per view about an hour behind on the pirated stream, and I was casting it from my phone to my TV. So it's not I couldn't look at Twitter. Nobody was texting me. I had no spoilers. And how pleasantly surprised I was when I woke up the next day and went to PW Torch and went to Twitter to look at what Wade Keller said and shit. And everybody was over the moon about this match. It's like oh, so I was it wasn't just me just super high and like something clicking in my head it's like everybody was on the same page that this match fucking ruled and i tell you what when powerhouse hobbs and miro shook hands i thought for a second oh they're doing the mutual respect sheamus and cesaro thing or dana bryan and am our moxley thing and then i thought oh these guys would be an unbelievable tag team I would love to see Powerhouse Hobbs and Miro as a tag team and just run roughshod and go win the belts. I think that would be fucking awesome. But needless to say, uh, the C.J. Perry stuff was fine afterwards. You know, there's a little bit of intrigue. Uh, at least they're going to give Miro a story, which I'm cool with because, as you know, I'm a Miro mark. And let me just also say this about Miro. He looks fucking bad ass dude he looks like such a badass can you imagine encountering that guy at a target or something it fucking hey <laughs> he is so like if you just saw him out in the real world you'd be like this guy's insane looking you would back the fuck down and you would rhyme me a mirror yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I could echo everything you guys said i mean easily and for me, trying to watch both the matches and football was getting a little distracted, but this is right around the time where halftime was going on, so I could start to watch this match. And I'm listening, and I'm like, what the fuck are they chanting? And I finally caught on to it. I'm like, oh, no. And from that point on, for me, this match just took on a whole new level of just laughing my ass off with the crowd, but they're watching these guys just – Big meaty man slapping meat. So I mean that for that point, this whole match took on to a whole nother level. It took a whole new life onto itself. CJ Perry coming out is what it is, but I'm with you on this. And I said on Twitter, at least I know now Miro has a story going forward. He's not just gonna disappear on us, you know, two weeks from now, a month from now, he'll pop back up. I expect to see him on TV in some form. What do you think Saturday about night. what do you think about Hobbs and Miro as a tag team? I don't want to see it. <sighs> Zach, what do you think? That sounds awesome. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. The book. The book. The, the book of Miro. That sounds great. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Miro and Hobbs. 
yeah, obviously, <laughs> but come on. I was about to say, if we're going to do crappy tag names, the book, the book of Miro works better. The bro bubble. The bro Bible. The bro Bible. Um, so what's next? Uh, then we had... Uh, Maybe my match of the night. Uh, this is a tough spot for these women. Uh, Chris, Chris Zoolander uh, defeated Ruby Soho, uh, who had Soraya in her corner, but that did not help much because Tony Storm was under the ring. I'm like, I wonder if she was under there for like <laughs> three hours or if they like not under there somehow. But um, they had a fine match. You know, it was, it was the interference. Basically, the whole thing, the story of the match was that Ruby Soho could not put Chris Statlander down no matter how much she tried. She had her finishes. You know, she did, you know, everything that she could do in her power, and it wasn't enough. So then they were going to cheat. And Soraya was going to hand her the uh, spray can, or she handed her the spray can. Tony Storm decided at that moment to come out of the ring. So in kayfabe style, it makes no sense at all. It's like, how did Tony Storm know? Like, is she streaming the show? Like, underneath the ring so she knows like it did she know beforehand that there's no reception in there this. yeah exactly like it just it doesn't make any sense but she comes out she runs to the wrong side of the ring which is funny because it's kind of in character because of just her kind of crazy character right now uh, but then she runs back around and she snatches the spray paint bottle from ruby soho and then uh chris zoolander hits her finish uh yeah this was Mostly suffered because of where it was at on the card. Yeah, I think anything would have suffered here, except maybe the next match. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. Jason, not much here. Yeah, this was uh, this was okay. I think the shenanigans are getting to be a little much. They do strike me as a Wednesday night dynamite type of thing. Um, but I'm trying not to be a hater. So what was next? Shit. Next I'm, was I'm bleeding because I'm biting my tongue over here. Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> so next was uh, the first of what I would say. Uh, there's two five star matches on this show, and this is also the first of a string of five matches that were just great. Like this, this if all in, like, the first half of the show was phenomenal. It was, like, the first five matches. You were just like, holy shit, like, I can't believe, like, they're giving us all these matches, like, right off the bat. The end of All Out was um, very, very good. Even better, actually, than anything, I think, really on All In. And I thought All In was a fantastic show. But um, I am talking about the strap match between uh, Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks, which had literally the only build to this match was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came out and said, uh, you know, there's another guy known as the Dragon, and it's Brian Danielson, and that's, like, all we needed because Brian Danielson's so great. Ricky starts like, oh, shit. (laughs) That, to me, is... Just to go back to Collision for 30 seconds, I thought Ricky Starks' promo off the bat was real as real can get. It was... You could see literally... The lines being blurred. He was frustrated. Him being frustrated as a person being stuck in this spot, and it came out real as fuck. As soon as he was done, I'm like, I love me some Ricky Starks even more. They so. took they took lemons 
and made and made a whole fucking lemonade stand and had motherfuckers coming out the block. That is on my short list of promo of the year. He turned that shit all the way the fuck around. Yep. That was my first point I wanted to get with that. Then the second point, and obviously the match itself. Go ahead. Dude, yeah. So uh, I will agree. The the start stuff, I that very real frustration, right? And I imagine Brian Danielson like also understanding like how frustrating that must be to be. He's literally in a program with uh, one of the top stars in the company. You know, he's really getting like the biggest push of his entire life. And the rug gets pulled out from under him, just like you said. And I just imagine Brian Danielson going up to him and he's like, hey, kid, you want to have the best fucking wrestling match you've ever had in your life? <laughs> uh, and the Not to cut you off, but real fast, uh, I heard in the post-show scrum that Danielson really put over Ricky Starks and was like, he led me through the whole match. He's like, because he, he carried like, me through this yeah. match. I was like, he's did what? Yeah, I mean, even uh, even if that's not a hundred percent true, that's you know, that's high praise. I will say that uh, Ricky Starks stepped the fuck up because, man, uh, we've seen Brian Danielson get a good strap match out of the Fiend. I mean, rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. But that Fiend gimmick was hard to watch in the ring. And that was the best match of the whole thing. Um, this match was so fucking violent. Like, this is, it was bordering on uncomfortable. Like, at one point, like, he had fucking Ricky Starks, like, up against the pole and was just whipping him. And I'm like, am I watching fucking Amistad right now? Like, this is fucking it insane. Really, <laughs> I, was, I was very conscious conscious of how violent it seemed because... We were back here. I turned it on. My sister and my brother-in-law came over. So I was watching it in a room, but I told them, hey, if you're coming over, I'm watching wrestling. And they're like, yeah, we just want to come over and get high. It's like, okay. So, like, my brother-in-law is, like, asking questions. You know, he used to watch it in the 80s. And my sister, you know, bless her heart, she she likes me and she wants to see why I'm into stuff. So if wrestling's on, she'll, like, ask questions about it, you know. And uh, the Ricky Starks, Dean O'Brien uh, – match i was very conscious of i mean here's a like if she has no idea she's pretty socially conscious you know if she has no idea what she's walking into and she just walks in and here's brian danielson a white guy just whipping the shit out of fucking ricky starks and then he pins him by choking him with the belt i was like you know if you didn't know any better this would look pretty fucking <laughs> fucked up <laughs> Jesus, yeah. watch this shit out. Get this. so all that being said this match fucking ripped it was awesome yeah. it was it it's just another in a long line of daniel bryan have daniel bryan having just off the wall crazy good matches the guy's never in a bad match um I was going to say, this was reminiscent just jumping to back to WWE when Finn Balor and AJ Styles had their impromptu match, and I can't remember when it was, but it just, they slapped it together, and then all of a sudden... It was right before WrestleMania. Or no, no, it was Survivor Series. It might have been, I can't remember. And all of a sudden, they had this match or whatever, and it was one of the... It was under the Vince regime, and very few times you get two small guys like that have a chance to go out and roll the ball out and let them do what they do, and they end up having a monster match. 
Danielson and Moxley for AEW are kind of like those two guys in a pinch. You know, you can, and obviously we'll talk about Moxley in a minute. Uh, Danielson for this scenario, like you said, he had to come in and, you know, put out a fire and then on top of it, get Ricky Starks over. So, I mean, that's a two-pronged job on that scenario for Danielson. And I thought Ricky Starks, this is his best match that I think arguably I've ever seen. I think I'll take the argument off of it. This is the best match I've ever seen of Ricky Starks. It was from the emotion of coming in from Saturday night, at least for me, when I know he's getting ready to catch some work. I didn't think he was going to get to this level. Like you said, there was a couple of times I'm like, oh, oh. I mean, both guys are getting literally choked with the strap, you know, getting pulled and jerked and carried on. Um, Danielson also said he never struck with his broken forearm, and I never really tripped off of that until I watched it again. He never threw a a right hand, a a right forearm, or, you know, anything along those lines. Anything that he threw was from left-handed and was, you know, he stomped the shit out of him multiple times, whipped him like the government mule multiple times, but never struck with his right forearm. So something to uh, keep in mind going forward. But now this was, at the point, I thought this was the match of the night. I still think it is to a certain degree. Um, it was just—it was so emotional. At least for me, I wanted Ricky Starks to somehow eke this out, and I knew in my heart of hearts he wasn't. You're not just gonna bring Danielson back and just have him get this L. Ricky Starks got over in the loss. Danielson won the match. So for me, this was win-win. How you topped this, this Joker? I wasn't sure, but there's an argument to be made that we could be topped. What's next? Yeah, uh, Danielson coming out to the final countdown. Like I, I heard that, and like and, like Tony Khan just paid a hundred thousand dollars so he could come out to the song. And, like he's going over, yeah. but uh, that, still, <laughs> that still did not take away from the enjoyment, if you can call it that, of this match. Uh, yeah, just the 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 straps to the face, um, man. Just uh, to the observer neck comes out and shit. They, like they were, they were whipping yeah. each other like dogs. It was bad, bad. But I enjoyed every minute of, like you said, between that and Florida State was starting to womp that ass. This was a good start. Uh, well, not even a good start, but just a nice little Saturday, Sunday night uh, enjoyment party. Didn't have to work the next day either. Perfect. Go ahead. Yeah, I called this at least five stars. Um, the Observer comes out tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing got like five and a half. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, they beat Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. Um, this was surprising to me. Just uh, I had predicted that Eddie would beat Claudio or pin Claudio, and they would set up for that ROH title match, and it happened the complete opposite way. And he actually pinned him off of just like a European uppercut. It was kind of a, a flash thing. I do kind of like that in one sense, like intellectually, in the sense that sometimes you can just get hit hard and then just get pinned because – you know, Eddie did kick out, like, at four or, like, three and a half or whatever. It's just, like, he caught him, man. Like, fair's fair, man. Like, it's a fucking fight. Anything can happen. Like, he just got he just got hit. Um, but uh, it did seem a little flat and kind of surprising. But the match was very fun. They were in a tough spot, too, because the crowd just was a huge come down. And it was, like, they were all professional enough to know that. Like, they started slow, and they started with, like, some story stuff, like, Claudio refusing to get in the ring with Kingston, like basically just stepped off the fucking apron and just like turned his back on the entire ring and just like wouldn't even watch the match. Uh, so 
uh, they they knew what was going on. But uh, I ended up really getting into this one by the end, and uh, I thought they did a really kind of masterful job of of getting the crowd into their match, despite just the spectacle that they had just seen. Jason, okay, um, not to, to me. The ending was the uh, the part that stuck out. It just it felt abrupt, but. I'm willing to concede that, you know, if, if you want to go in kayfabe style, kayfabe guys, style, guys get hit and, you know, you get, you know, you get dropped. I do. When he did kick out of that three and a half or four or whatever, I was like, oh, OK, yeah. So in that scenario, it wasn't my favorite finish, but Eddie kicking out just a half second, a second too late kind of made up for it at least a little bit in my mind that, you know, he just got caught. It kind of is what it is. The match itself I thought was good. Um. Yeah, the ending of this match was really good. I all all three of us had Eddie Kingston and Shibata going over, so we were wrong. Just so uh, we can get it out of the way for the weekend, we all tied with eleven points apiece. Um, I had one more guess right because I picked Takeshita, and I also picked Trish Stratus. So that's why you guys were up one on me, and then I got up one on you. So all tied with eleven. Uh, what's next, Zach? Uh, so then we had our second uh, five-star match of the night, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshida beats Kenny Omega in a singles match. I was wrong about this. Uh, but uh, first time in his career, um, you know, the story is that Don Callis, who seems to be not only in a feud with uh, Kenny Omega, but also a feud with Kristen Cage over who can be the biggest cocksucker every single night, and I love both of them for it so much. But um, basically the story is that Don Callis has found a younger, stronger, taller, faster Kenny Omega, and uh, Kenny Omega is in decline. Don Callis is talking about how he hasn't won a singles match since he parted with him. Um, so this is a very fun story. This was your work rate match. This was the match for, um, I think you can show anybody this match and they would enjoy it, but this was especially the kind of match that I feel like we kind of do this podcast for and the reason that we spend money uh, on these kinds of pay-per-views. Oh I mean, Kenny Omega is just that dude and, uh, yeah, and uh, Takeshita is uh, that dude as well. Uh, th- there was just so many spots in this match that were phenomenal. Uh, I-, I could just talk about this match forever. Just go watch it. You will not enjoy it. It's a match of the year candidate. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it again. This was tremendous from start to finish. Uh, I'm so glad that Takeshita went over. I just think it's the right call. Um, I picked it. And uh, I am. I, I think that he. I think he's a future heavyweight champion of AEW. Uh, I've gotten yelled at about saying that before by somebody very close to this podcast, whose name rhymes with Jinder Mahal. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up, dog. Um, no, I I agree. I thought this was. Arguably, them, you know, another five star match. It could be the match of the night, depending on what you like. Um, the blue thunder bomb from Takeshita to me is the one that really stood out because it's 
It's athleticism. It's strength. It's the whole shebang. It's why. It's- Ooh, he looks fucking good hitting it too, man. He just that that is in his hands. That is a fucking badass move. He David mentioned that it was from El Generico too, who both the guys have history with. Right, and that's I was just like Jesus Christ. You know, that's this is ridiculous. Um, he and Yoda Suji like leap off the screen for me in in certain scenarios. He's so fast. Yeah, where it, it, you know, it's he's that he looks like he's that much better than Kenny Omega, which you know you don't really supposed to say that shit out loud. But then he beat him and he beat him clean. No, I'm like, like what the he, fuck? There's I'm sometimes like, where he looks like you're watching it in one point five speed. Yeah, he's he's just that much athletic, stronger, faster, whatever verbiage you want to put into. He reminds it. me of LeBron. It, when he first came out, you could tell there was a difference between LeBron and everybody else, and that's what the elite athletes had. Come at me, all you Kobe lovers. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Kobe was the same way, too. Stop hero-ass it. ball. No, he wasn't. Look, that hero-ass ball got him five rings. You know, Vice isn't that. here anymore. If he, He'd be going, that was, that was for you, Vice. Fucking Kobe lovers. All right. Moving on? Yeah, yes. sure. All right. Uh, I got off had, track. Then we had Bullet Club Gold, uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Austin and Colton Gunn, uh, who, uh, honestly, I can tell apart, but I have no idea which one's which. Um, and still. Colton's I'm, the taller one. With the concave, okay, he's okay. the one with the concave chest. He looks more like a Colton. That, that makes sense. All right. And then uh, they faced FTR and the Young Bucks. So, um this uh, was super fun and super interesting. So, like, we kind of degraded this as, like, ah, oh, this sounds like a collision main event, which it totally does. And it almost, like, wrestled like one, too, because collision main events are often awesome. This match was a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, the Young Bucks getting a Chicago reaction. So, like, it was, like, the Young Bucks getting the CM Punk reaction when CM Punk goes anywhere but Chicago. Uh, which was interesting because, like, Kenny Omega was cheered as a babyface. Hangman Page is cheered as a babyface. But, like, Chicago does not like the fucking Young Bucks. But they also do like the Young Bucks. It was, it's, it's so funny because uh, Nick Jackson got a hot tag at one point in this match, and they're just booing, and they're booing. And then he hits, like, his last flip of the hot tag, and everybody cheers. They're like, ah! <laughs> like, so the Young Bucks... Just, the Young Bucks do seem... Polarizing though, don't they? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, they are. Yeah, like they just they get tons of pop. They get tons of heat. Like everywhere they go, the crowd is just noisy. So, uh, this match, this match was cool for what it was. I mean, yeah, when I say it sounds like a collision main event, collision main events are usually pretty fucking good. Like we've seen insane matches on Dynamite. Those the, those trios matches with uh, the elite and shit. So, yeah, this was fun. I mean, I wasn't very invested in the who won or anything, and I I really kind of – I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks and the Revival, like, working together and doing each other's moves with each other. I just think it's just too – I don't know. I don't know. I like that. I, I thought it was fun that, you know, Matt had to do the other half of the Shatter Machine and then Dax had to do the other half of the – the BT trigger and like whatever uh, Matt was doing the uh, he's like uh, you know the 
whatever he does before they do the trigger, he says, speaking you trigger. And uh, Dax just looks at his fucking watch, like pretends to look at his watch while right. he does that. <laughs> I, I was like, man, I, y'all I, motherfuckers ain't shit. But it was pretty cute. So I, I do I do get that. Um, it was interesting, too. I feel like Jay White is like Scar and the Lion King and like Juice Robinson and the guns are like the hyenas. Uh, they're just like throwing <laughs> around like laughing and shit. And uh, <laughs> he's just, he ends up like doing the, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, his finishing move, what, what I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, Blade Runner. And then Colton jumps over and steals the pin. So we're going to, we kind of set up FTR versus the guns, which we've done before, but you know, it's collision stuff. Like, so we're going to get a title match with them, but really it was Jay White's move that sealed the deal. So I think we're also going to get another Bullet Club Gold FTR match as well. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Sorry, Jason. What do you think? Look, man, you, you getting warmed up for your next comedy set. I ain't mad at you. Far from it. Um, I didn't mind the, uh, it was, to me, it was ir- irony that they, you had an FTR guy and a Bucks guy helping each other with their tandem moves. I didn't necessarily mind it. It is what it is. It just added a little layer to the story. Not a big deal. To me, the finish was where, you know, after the match and everybody's looking around like, you know, what the fuck, you know, pointing fingers and shit. That, to me, is is where we're here for. I'm not worried about who's doing each other's moves. That is what it is. What's happened, the story that's being told is that there's still friction between the Bucks and the FTR, no matter how much they want to try to play nice or what they want to say. Ultimately, they still have beef, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, I want. I just. I want. Sorry, I want Jay White to be a singles guy sooner rather than later. Uh, I want Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs to be a tag team. I want Jay White to be a singles guy. I know we're getting ready to delve into he who shall not be named here in a little bit, but I thought I, I will. Well, yeah, I think we all do. I think part of the reason why I liked he sh- who shall not be named around and having that uh, real world championship, quote unquote, if. If they wanted to keep it two separate tiles, that's where Jay White and others in that little, I guess, area, plane or whatever you want to call it, where it feels like they're they're the next guy up, but we have to wait because now you have Adam Cole. Now it feels like Samoa Joe. Now, you know, just with one title, you're just – with this roster – Guys like Jay White are going to have to wait. That's why, I'm, you know, with as great as Will Ospreay is, he'll have to wait too when he, when he comes well, over. He so. doesn't have to. I, I, I'm not saying he has to have the belt. Just make him a singles wrestler and put he him is. in. Put him in some feuds. He is. That, okay. Well, there you go. There's the problem. He's not in a singles feud. He just seems. I mean, in my mind, he is a he. He is a a full standard deviant higher than Juice Robinson in terms of like being a top of the card guy. I mean, he's just that much better than like he he's slumming with Juice Robinson. Ooh, damn. <laughs> Whoa. Is, is that you don't agree? I think slumming is a, a rather harsh word. I mean, I mean Juice Robinson is firmly mid-card and Jay White is a should be in the title picture. I I can't disagree with you. Well, I can't agree with you more. I'll I'll just say this. Um, Juice Robinson hit his ceiling when he married Tony Storm. And uh, if shit, if that's the ceiling, shit, <laughs> let me get that ceiling too, motherfucker. Give me that model ticket. What the fuck? I, 
It's a, it's a high ceiling. Okay, exactly. Compared to the normal dude. Exactly. I'm waiting patiently for Jay White to get his turn. But I know with this roster and with Tony continuously going to add to this roster, we might be waiting for Jay White to get his turn. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully 2024 he at least gets a AEW title shot. And I'm, I'm being nice with that. I think – the rest of 2023 is pretty much sewed up in some form or fashion. 2024 feels more realistic. Yeah. Uh, at first, I would have said that uh, Jay White was slumming it, and I still agree. I do think that what they're doing with the gun, they have elevated the guns a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about seeing the guns on TV at all. And um, this little club gold thing, like, um, the bang, bang, bang. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm into it. Like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say bring bring another guy or two like into the fold and uh, give him that Jay White rub. But yeah, he is absolutely magnitudes above most of the roster um, for sure. I agree. Uh, all right, so then we had uh, our main event, which was also awesome. Um, maybe the third five star match of the night. Uh, this was just so goddamn good. Uh, so Moxley did not need to put over. Orange Cassidy on collision, but he did anyway because big time. Uh, Orange Cassidy, yeah, he's like championship runs, you know, runs like this, they don't come along that often, and you know, just a real down to earth, just real deal Moxley promo that was fucking awesome. He's like, you know, a lot of a lot of wrestlers, you know, want to be the best wrestler in the world, but uh, when times get hard, they start looking for a way out. Oh my god, that was a definitely veiled shot at CM Punk, which mm-hmm. I appreciated, but at the same time, I was like. I I want to, I was like this is the show to like get that stuff out out of the way because there was also there was other ones on the show uh, that were that were mentioned where you're, like you know Ricky Stark there's did, a couple other did uh, you see what nods. I put on Facebook that John Moxley promo right after CM Punk came back and he's like sorry CM Punk didn't turn out to be who you thought he was he's talking to Chicago and they're booing him but they're also kind of cheering him like yep there's no way that John Moxley respect CM Punk. There's just no. no fuck. I just don't believe it. I'm sure he respects him as a wrestler, like game recognized game, whatever. But I mean, that's another thing that I was going to say about Brian Danielson with Ricky Starks. Brian Danielson came to the rescue, you know, probably like, Hey, let's, let's have a great match. Ricky Starks. But he's also probably like, man, I've known Phil Brooks for fucking 20 years. And I know exactly what that motherfucker's like. He probably, I mean, he probably legitimately felt bad for Ricky Starks. Anyway, we got, yeah. we got more punk uh, to come. Sorry. So he puts him over and, uh, man, this match was awesome. It was brutal. Um, also, not too often where someone is a bloody mess and a John Moxley match, and it's not John Moxley. No shit. <laughs> shit I think that's also a way of putting him over. Absolutely, yeah. He's so like, I'm not going to bleed too. As, as the babyface, there's, there's like one Cassidy's not a big guy, and even Moxley is just like he's not a huge guy, but he's quite a bit bigger than than Orange. And there's a size differential, and he's just you know beating the shit out of him. You know, and really by the end of it. I was going to say that that's just a choice by John Moxley. You know, that's not like, that's something that he thought about and decided to do. He's like, I'm not going to bleed. He's going to do all the bleeding. That's a way of putting him over. Sorry. You were saying and then by the end. Yeah. And then by the end, uh, it was almost a, the whole thing was just so like respectfully done in the sense of like, 
he's almost putting this guy out of his misery by the end of it. Like, he's just been beating him and beating him, and he's just a bloody mess. And, like, he doesn't even fucking kick him in the stomach before he does the Death Rider. He just, like, grabs him and, and gets him his Death Rider and uh, pins him one, two, three. And he's, like, ca- crawling out of the ring, and, you know, Cassidy's in the middle. And the whole time, Moxley's just, like, looking back at him, almost like kind of shell-shocked, like, holy shit, like, I can't believe all that I had to do to put this guy down. Uh, like, he's just in disbelief, right? Just Even on his way back to the locker room, he's still putting the guy over um, in a very subtle way. I, I loved it. And then, of course, uh, Orange Cassidy gets uh, is able to get up, and he gets, like, the standing O and the thank you, Orange, and, uh, and all that. So it still ended on a happy note, even though, uh, effectively, the heel won the championship in the main event. Uh, just the celebration of that historic international title reign, which is one of the best title reigns uh, of my lifetime, of our, of our lifetime. Uh, I don't even think that's hyperbole. It, it, it was great. So, uh, yeah, this was a, a fantastic bow on what seemed to be uh, on paper, like just a decent pay-per-view, and that ended up being a phenomenal show. Um, if you want some hyperbole, I got some for you. I don't. I, I don't know if this is John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose's uh, best match that we've ever seen them in, but it might be the best match we've ever seen them in. I think it's on his Mount Mount Rushmore of matches. The story. This this was a match that was so old school in the way that it told a logical story from front to back. And really, like like Zach said, it put the perfect bow on this title reign. Like, it took a guy like John Moxley, who's a former champion, who is kind of, you know, they put out the Moxley symbol when CM Punk goes off every single time. And John Moxley is kind of the heart and soul of the roster. Um, and... The storytelling in this match was tremendous. I loved, loved, loved the way that Moxley put him over um, on Collision and throughout the match, like Zach said. And then the end of the pay-per-view was Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring on his hands and knees, a bloody mess looking like Y.A. Tittle, and the crowd (laughs) giving him very respectful applause this was tremendous. Uh, I might be my favorite. I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite Orange Cassidy match. It might be my favorite Moxley match. Um, this it wasn't to me more. Well, it's like a good psychological thriller. You know, it's 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 supposed to be more about the games that's a messing with your head versus what you actually see on the screen. The physical, you know violence that we saw on the screen with Mox. We just dog walking Orange Cassidy at certain points. You know, that to me was the easy part. But then just, you know, watching Mox, we just kind of stalking around, you know, taking his time with him, you know, in and outside of the ring and just dragging this thing out to where at a certain point it just felt like, you know, this wasn't going to go more than 15 minutes or whatever the case may be. But then Orange kind of comes back a little bit. He does the little, you know, soft kicks, but then all of a sudden, like, he turns on this switch, and those soft kicks turn to violent kicks, and then he goes on to another clip. That, to me, is when the match got into another gear, when Orange fired himself up and looked like this was going to be an Orange Cassidy run where he could possibly pull this out. 
Moxley, God bless him, snuffed that shit out and put the Death Rider on it. And that, to me, was the match. To me, it was more about Moxley just being just a stalking over just a the big monster heel. And he's not that big, but in comparison to OC, he is just stalking him down, walking him down, and finally putting him out of his misery. Kudos to both guys. Um Moxley saves the day per usual. Him Ma- and Danielson. Match quality, but not counting for atmosphere necessarily because they were in Wembley for one of them. But just in terms of what was a better show, all in or all out? Zach, match you can answer too. All out. out match quality. I think I prefer. I loved them both. What a fucking time to be alive, man. Seriously, what a time to be alive. I loved them both. I think I liked All Out better because All Out had what I wanted All In to have, which is more singles matches. Every single singles match on this card delivered. Um, Match quality. Yeah, okay, that's fair because, I mean, there's not a five-star match that's in uh, that was on the Wembley All In show. Uh, well, MJF Cole, if you want to go that route, I'll give you that one. There's at least two on here, depending on a, if you want to go a third, you can go on a third. So, yeah, I would go uh, All Out was the better show. Okay, and uh, anything else on All Out before we move on? We'll have uh, our predictions a little bit later for this weekend, uh, AEW All Over. Uh, that's, that's coming after the third count. So uh, I was like, "Holy shit! What prediction?" Like, Jesus Christ! Like, what the fuck is he talking about? No, I, I honestly can't think of anything. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Mm. Um, you watched. You didn't pay for it. I didn't pay for it. He paid for it. If I would have paid for it, I wouldn't have been mad because it mm. over delivered. Oh, in I... a scenario where we said it last week, where coming into it nothing really felt like this was worth me like giving out another 50 bucks the week after doing it the first time i was vetoed from buying it like i wanted to buy it i didn't want to fuck around with the pirated because you gotta watch it in 15 minute chunks and i'm fucking casting it from my phone it's like no i i got vetoed because we were watching something else i'm like if i'm not watching it live i'm just gonna i'm just gonna not pay for it but um I, I would have I would have felt totally vindicated in spending the fifty dollars without question. And, and now I spent fifty dollars on a lot of stupider shit. Okay, so in that scenario, I would give Tony Khan the credit, <sighs> give the talent the I'll credit. Started the type of shit I spend money on. <laughs> I'll give them all the credit in the world. This was the, the, to me the better Amazon show. Amazon boxes just fucking piling up on my front porch. This motherfucker over here. All in was the more hyped in, hyped up show. All out was probably I don't the, buy the one anything. That, she buys everything. I'm sure that none of those actors <laughs> have your name on them. They don't. All right, let's get to that three count. Let's. I mean, let's. Y'all got the. You guys got dessert first. <laughs> Here comes the liver and onions. First things first, let's get this fucking thing out of the way. CM Punk is a complete and utter child. Crybaby, fragile ego. And he find that's I just want to get that, that out of the way. Uh but I do believe that this is bullshit. He should not have gotten fired. 
completely joking. I thought that Tony Khan <laughs> was a fucking boss for going out in front of the collision team. So it, for those of you that if this is the only podcast you listen to or you haven't been paying attention, CM Punk got fired on Saturday from AEW for uh, for the backstage altercation, amongst other things. Uh Tony Khan came out and said he's been going to wrestling shows for 30 years, but he's never feared for his safety or for his life until last Saturday um, or last Sunday. So throwing in the feared for his life part, I know a lot of people are bumping on that. So am I. I mean, maybe he's doing that for legal reasons or something. I got to figure that whatever happened backstage they have it. There's a videotape of it somewhere. I mean, they're taping everything. There's people filming documentaries about the whole thing. Of course, they have that shit on tape. I just want to see it. But <laughs> okay, so CM Punk is out. So in the last two weeks, we've had probably the top two finalists for the beef for headline of the year. CM Punk gets fired, and Bray Wyatt dies. CM Punk getting fired. I know this intro has been long, but this is the last thing I'll say about it before I throw it to Jason. This whole thing has been hilarious. The last two years has just been hysterical from a wrestling fan standpoint and from somebody who uh, doesn't wish CM Punk the best. CM, this, it's just uh, absolutely hilarious uh, set of circumstances that has transpired over the last two years. Really one of the oddest things since we've been doing the podcast for sure, maybe the oddest. Uh, what do you think, Jason? Uh, ah, man, I, I said it when he came back the second time around, you know, leopards don't change their spots. And unfortunately for punk and, you know, I wouldn't say, I, I'm, unfortunately for me, I'll say this as much as I'm not a huge CM punk fan, I will give credit where credit is due. When he came out, he got fans invested, whether it was positive or negative, And that's, that's something to be said. However, when you can't, and I said it last week, this is a person that's calling other people children, but you're acting like just as much of a child, if not bigger in certain aspects. Jack Perry suspended indefinitely. Okay, it is what it is. Jack Perry's obviously not beyond reproach. He had to get it, you know, some sort of slap down too, so be it. For me, the punk thing just boils down to a scenario where it just feels like he just can't get out of his own way. Sometimes he thinks he's bigger than everybody else and the rules don't matter to him. Um, the fear for his life, uh, portion of the, the Tony Khan, uh, speech. Hey, I thought you, you had to get it out, out on the table. If it was, and I was at work at the time, I just, I caught it on our text thread. Uh, I was literally at a table. This is how slow we were. And like, I had my phone on vibrate and like it was literally like vibrating to where it felt like somebody was calling me. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on? So I went to the kitchen. I saw that, you know, that what was going on. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is what's up. And both of my uh, text threads were both blowing up at the same time. So I was like, okay, I get it. You talk to other people about wrestling? Believe it or not. Yes, oh, yeah. And, you have a whole podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did it this afternoon. So, yeah, it, it, it is, you know, it's a whole thing. Anyway, I guess my point is this. Punk coming back was ultimately the the good, the bad, you know, the yin and the yang of it. When he came back, it was like literally a celebration where it felt like, you know, we could get, 
you know, some dream matches in, you know, things along those lines. And then that first, you know, turn went south real quick after he got hurt. Then this second one, I thought he was good. You know, Bill said it best about the Samoa Joe match last week. That was a perfect little sweet spot match of, you know, time where you can send uh, CM Punk out and get good matches and not get him hurt. Well, just when you found that sweet spot, just when, you know, Ricky Starks was just getting over and now starting to feel like he belonged in this main event, you know, scene with, you know, Omega and all these other guys, he decides now he's going to show his ass. So, I mean, for, for me, I, I've always said I have little tolerance for self-inflicted wounds. This was a self-inflicted wound as far as I'm concerned. He was so worried about himself and his own ego. He didn't think about Ricky Starks. He didn't think about Tony Khan. He didn't think about the company. He thought about himself. And like I said, I guess it was sometime last week, you just can't be walking around here and do what the fuck you want to do in a workplace and not expect some disciplinary action to happen. It just took longer than I expected. Zach, what do you think about the way that Tony Khan handled it? Man, I thought um, I got to give him props for that. It was, He took a lot of flack whenever he just basically let CM Punk shit all over the company while angrily eating a muffin a year ago and then go and get into a fight with uh, employees in the back. Yeah, that was a tough situation. He took a lot of flack, and they wouldn't talk about it. And then this shit happened. And in less than a week, he's like, I'm firing arguably the biggest star in the company. And then I'm going to go out in his hometown and tell everybody I did that. And I, I was like, man, I was like, good on him. And uh, I know he was getting some flag for the fear for his life thing. I think it is twofold. I think it's the uh, A, probably legal, probably, um, you know, stressing that. Yeah. Also B, um, how many fucking fights do you think Tony Khan's ever gotten in in his fucking life? He probably was scared shitless. Like, CM Punk is way more seasoned of a fighter. Even losing two UFC fights, embarrassingly bad. He's still way more cut out to do violence than, than Tony Khan is. And um, apparently from, like, reports, he, like, went after him. Like, you know, like, he lunged at Tony Khan, like, knocked over a bunch of monitors. Like, he physically, like, went after. Big Not only did guy. he get to a fight with with the, yeah, exactly. You're gonna pick a fight with fucking Luke Perry's kid named Jungle Boy, right? And then fucking Tony Khan, right? Like, uh, you know, they, I don't know. Uh, it is funny because in hindsight, it's like after any traumatic event. Not that it was traumatic for me at all, but like, it's just so much easier to like laugh at it, and it was just so comical, like. Punk's only out for himself. He's only ever been out for himself. It's the same fucking story over his entire career. I don't know why anybody thought it was going to be any different this time. Uh, he he was a wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing buying everybody ice cream sandwiches. So he's just trying to fatten us up. Man, and, he, he uh, comes out of this thing a huge loser. Like, absolutely. I mean, he, he's, he's a couple million dollars richer. He's but, a couple million dollars richer, but... All it took was Tony Khan coming out there and just saying a few things, and those boos kind of turned to cheers. The crowd, you didn't hear one CM Punk chant all weekend. No, you you heard it when the Bucks came out, and that's the other thing I wanted okay. to say about all, all Okay, but, but still, and, and you heard but it when— But, but that's— but that's the crowd, the crowd did not hold it against the promotion. No, 
and that's there was no to, heat on the promotion in Chicago. And that's credit to the matches that were rolled out. If you rolled out a bunch of bullshit matches, I guarantee you them CM Punk's a good chance would have started a lot earlier than they would have. They waited until the next to last match before they ever started to ch- chant CM Punk. They would chant me for Christ's sake. Yeah, but it, like no, nobody turned away though. No. No, and it's I, not and like people were like, well, I'm not buying a ticket to the show. The show still sold tickets. Without question, and it, as well it should. It shouldn't be about CM Punk. I mean, Punk. what does that say? But what does that say about CM Punk? Doesn't he look at that? And, you know, I know I'm psychoanalyzing the dude, but doesn't he look at that and be like, man, maybe I am the asshole? I don't think he's capable of that. Nope. I don't know him at all, but it just seems that he's not. Nope. And it is funny. I guarantee he was upset because if you look at those collision numbers, like, Granted, it's Saturday night. You know it's not going to be awesome anyway. There's a lot of competition. There's UFC. There's about to be football. Um, there's Shit, sometimes there WWE football. pay-per-views. But you know what, like, the biggest spike in, like, collision ratings has been? When fucking MJF and Adam Cole Bebe came over for one night only. And you know that that had to sour the fuck out of him. And um, he – and also, you know, what was interesting is on that collision show, where Tony Khan came out like a G and was just like, hey, sorry, guys, I had to fire CM Punk. Uh, I, you know, like, that was just baller shit. And then, like, all the people that were on Collision, you ain't never seen that many people on Collision before. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe it was because CM Punk's a fucking asshole and nobody wanted to work with him or nobody was allowed to work with him because he was like, I only want these handful of people. Um, that match, or that whole show was, like, top to bottom, filled with stars, and I think Collision's going to be better for it. That's the other thing that we we should talk about is the the basic the fallout from that Punk not being around, and I think it started at All Out. You obviously had the announcement and a match card that didn't look like it was going to deliver. As soon as that thing was over, I was like, man, you know, you don't have Punk, you got some good, you know coming out of this, you delivered a over-delivered on a card that you probably had no business doing, and now it's looking forward to Dynamite without having to worry about what the fuck Punk was going to do. This is a fucking silver line. Uh, I mean, just I'm telling you, man, perfect credit to Tony Khan because I was hard on him, and I'll have to take some. Of those, I'll take my shit back. He did the one thing I thought he would never do, and it was fire at CM Punk. Uh. In 2011, 2010, 2011, when I started watching wrestling again, CM Punk was brand new to me. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I got so into the summer of punk. It was so fucking awesome. Yep. Like, it was really great television. Incredible. And CM Punk, when he came back to AEW, I always knew he's a dick in WWE, but you're like, oh, well, that's WWE. And then you're, he's kind of a dick to Colt Cabana. You're like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? But when he came back to AEW, we were fucking pumped. It, it was one of the headlines of the year that year in yeah. the Beavers that CM Punk made his triumphant return. And then it was such a bizarre <laughs> two years. Like, so fucking weird. Like, the, all that Hangman Page stuff is so fucking weird. I listened to a, a guy recap it, recap the entire thing this week, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, god damn, that's fucking weird. And now everybody talks about these CM Punk defenders. I don't see that many of them. It doesn't seem to me like there are very many CM Punk defenders anymore. I mean, the way that his popularity is dropped amongst people of our ilk 
uh, you know, he might as well have been me too'd. It's like nobody fucking cares about him anymore. Nobody likes him. It's like it. It's like watching Mike Tyson when he came back from out, coming out of jail, and he, you know, he fought, you know, Peter McNeely, and he got beat down by like Lennox Lewis, and he's biting at Vander Holyfield's ear. It's just so bizarre. It was literally like watching what? shit that was going so out of control. Oh man! It was like, what the fuck is going on, Zach? What was your first? What was your instinctual reaction? to finding out that CM Punk got fired. Was it, <laughs> oh, shit, or uh, I, or that's really funny? Or were you like, oh, dude, yes? Dude, I marked out. It was funny because I was in uh, the Willamette National Forest. I had no cell service, and we left <laughs> to go on a hike. And my phone, like, you know, I turn it off airplane mode whenever I get down the road, and it does its thing where it's just, like, sending off all these notifications. And that's whenever the text came through. And I was like, holy shit. And I'm like, I was almost like giddy because I didn't expect <laughs> it to happen. It was like Christmas morning and I like didn't actually think Santa was going to come, but a bad boy. But he just, you know, I had gotten a tattoo, but there was still a present there. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he delivered. And uh, Sarah was like, what, what? And I was like, AEW fired CM Punk. And she was like, oh, because like she doesn't know anything. She just thinks CM Punk's like a, an attractive guy. Which is like probably the thing I hate about her the most. Uh, but uh, <laughs> save it for the act, baby. Save it for the act. Man, Aaron really likes him too. Yeah, this fucking chick magnet punk man was a fucking asshole. Um, anyway, I was I was pretty stoked. I marked out just like I would. I marked out like I did whenever like Brian Danielson and Adam Cole showed up at All Out on the same night. Yeah, my, my reaction was like. I feel terrible for our country, but this is tremendous content. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna. This is gonna dominate the pod." I was. My immediate thought was about the pod. I was with uh, Steve at uh, cousin Joy's wedding, and I was like, "Oh, like we were standing right next to each other." And I was like, "Oh, CM Punk got fired." He was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, CM Punk got fired." It was fun. I could totally hear Steve. Like, what? <laughs> no, I really hope that he does not go to WWE. I just hope that we just don't ever have to talk about CM Punk ever again. Uh, like, because I don't like that he does dominate the discourse and if I have to, like, talk Takes about him. Takes up a lot of oxygen. Uh, absolutely. And he loves that because he's a fucking narcissist and he loves that. Yeah, he's like Trump. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think WWE that, yeah, wants if, it back. Listen, if you if we see if we had a TikTok channel, we could just take a video of me comparing CM Punk to Donald Trump, and like that would be our my hot take. We'd get so much fucking traction <laughs> on TikTok with just that take. Trust me, there's a whole bunch of good CM crazy Punk shit we narcissist like Trump. <laughs> there's a whole Pepsi bunch of shit versus Diet Coke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like Mark Mark Marin has this joke where he says Donald Trump is the most successful narcissist ever because he actually did make it all about himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all anybody <laughs> talked about was that dude. dude anyway, you ain't never lied. Um, I don't think WWE wants it back. I mean, you you got a really good thing going. If you're Triple H, if you're Vince, you don't see him fighting in WWE over the next twelve months. No. Would you give it a percentage at all? Or is that your stone cold lead pipe lock of the year? Um, 
you, this is this is wrestling, so you can never say never. So I'll give it a percentage. I'll say ten percent. What kind of percentage do you give it, Zach? Oh, let's see. I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a three percent chance because there are thirty entrants in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I do not see him coming back at the Royal. Ah. I'm with Jason. I give it like a ten percent. I was thinking five or eight. Like ten percent's probably probably good. I don't really see it happening, but I don't know. It, Crazier things have happened in wrestling. Yeah, I know. I think it'd be Shaq. more likely. It'd be more likely if WWE wasn't super hot right now. They're the hottest company in the world. Like they don't need them at all. Like, right. They were suffering. Yeah. Right. And like him going into business for himself on SmackDown or something. You can totally see that happening. You could talk, give him a couple. But would Triple H, H hate it? But would Triple H hate it? Yeah, look, they got a good fucking thing going. Yeah, I mean, who why would, would you want to? Who would you bring, even want to see him fight? I, Cody. Not, I don't want to see him wrestle anybody on this roster that desperately to hire him for a year span, a six month span. No, it's not that serious. There's maybe Roman just because Heyman's there. Outside of that, I'm good. Okay, so let's say that CM I think Punk. He's probably gonna get. He just get into like a fucking like a shoot fight with one of the maximum male models or something. <laughs> what a fucking slime ball! <laughs> see, see, they ain't wrestling in months. They ain't back there in catering. What you say to me? <laughs> That's see, where the fight would happen, right? Exactly. See a punk gets in the fight and catering. I can totally see that happening. And that, why would you want that? Why would you want that? I'll tell you what. I give props to Tony Khan. Yeah. Uh, he he weathered. I mean, what a week for Tony Khan. I mean, if you go from Wembley Stadium to Punk getting fired to All Out, and he seems like he weathered the storm, and it seems like the the product is still hot coming out of it. So, good on Tony Punk or Tony Khan. Uh, the last last word on CM Punk, and then we're never going to talk about him again. What is his legacy? <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming we're talking. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, last question. Uh, give me 10 words or less. What is CM Punk's legacy? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. That, ultimately, wow. It's a big, it's a big question. It, well, for AEW, it's just, you know, it's the, the what's the uh, the tale of two cities opening line? It's the, the best, uh, the best, best of, of times, times the, the worst, worst of times. This is the best of times for AEW. For Punk, it was the best of times when he came back. Punk Everybody was just like, oh, my God, he's come back. Thank God, you know. Punk was dragging him down. And then there you go. The worst of times is where you just, you're walking on eggshells. You got these two shows. You got two separate titles and all this other nonsense because one guy, one guy is holding the, the company and hostage. I guarantee you Danielson versus Ricky Starks was a lot better than Punk versus Ricky Starks was going to be. <laughs> no question. <laughs> Ain't even close, player. So we got that, too. So, you know, I think that his – Zach, what do you think his legacy is? Um, his legacy is uh, – I mean, his return was, was – uh, 
I'd say one of the most momentous in wrestling history. And his accent was just uh, a headline a, a headline for the week. No, I'm not going that far. I will always remember both where I was for both spots. Always. Oh, I'll remember where I was for Money in the Bank in 2011, too. I remember where I was for the Pipe Bomb promo. CM Punk burned bright, man, and then he flamed out. It was a strange return, um, but extremely newsworthy, <laughs> extremely uh, entertaining, and we got we got a few good matches out of it. You know, him versus MJF was a good feud. Yeah, and they had, that, they had that really dog good. collar match that was fucking great. Agreed. So I, he burned real bright. You know, them bridges too on the way down. Like yeah, he sure did. He uh, he was yeah. something else. Uh, you know, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, that's not me threatening him or anything. Yes, please. <laughs> I just don't think we're gonna see him for a while. I don't see him in WWE. No, he's he needs to uh, take a couple plays off. Um, okay, so the impact zone. So, dude, somebody said that that was so fucking comedy. They yeah, him, him, him and, and Ace Steel. I was, yeah. I fell the fuck out. I was like, man, this shit happens. I'm on the floor. Um. Okay, so let's talk about this Gunther Chad Gable match for the Intercontinental Belt. Uh, that headlined Monday Night Raw. So. I had not watched Raw yet, and Joey texted us and said, what you guys think of that main event last night? And I was like, ooh, that says to me that Chad Gable won. And then, so I was watching it, didn't know he won. I was thinking he was going to win, and his family was in the front row, and I was like, oh, this motherfucker's going to win, and I bet it's awesome, and I bet that's why Joey texted me. Then Gunther goes over clean. Gunther takes Chad Gable's best, and Chad Gable's kid is crying in the front row. It was... Dare I say, tremendous. This match was great. It subverted expectations, and Walter slash Gunther goes out there, has another great match, and Chad Gable gets to cut loose. Let Gable cook. What you think about this, Zach? Man, uh, this is one of those where it looks good on paper, and it's just as good, if not better, in the execution. Um, it was great. Uh, the daughter thing was uh, I was surprised at that, uh, but outside of um, the rest of it, I was unsurprised, but I was definitely very fulfilled. They built the entire show around this match and around the Intercontinental title legacy, and they were showing Intercontinental champions from the past. Uh, they let Gable and Gunther have really great promos, you know, just hyping up the match. The uh, whole thing was built around it, and they just had a fucking awesome... I mean, this is... Gunther's best opponents are dudes who are really strong they can also like throw them around occasionally like his matches with like Tyler Bates is mm-hmm. probably my favorite Gunther match of all time um yeah it's weird that I call him Gunther now with like no hesitation I used to yep. I used to firmly take a hard line on that and I'd mm-hmm. only call him Volter but um yeah it was awesome no I agree with uh the Walter slash Gunther thing, I was right there with you, and that's kudos to Triple H. He has uh, hypnotized us to, you know, calling him Gunther without even hesitating at this point. Um, Kudos there. Kudos to Chad Gable. He's in line with Ilya Dragunov, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, 
guys that are small in size but can match up with Walter slash Gunther is the, the, with the best of them. So in that scenario, you got to give him credit. Obviously, Gunther, uh, th- those three moves that he put on the end to finish the match on Chad Gable, I was just like, oh, 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 I'm like, God damn. And then he stacked him real high. I was like, oh, yeah, this Joker's over. Gunther is just a – Amazing. He's a freak of just of size and speed where you know he shouldn't be doing stuff like this, especially like running drop kicks and shit like this, you know, jumping off the top rope. Guys his size ain't supposed to be doing that shit. He well, does it with Plus, ease. like, crazy combinations and, like, like little 30-second chunks out of matches that are just really creative. Winning the match queen as a heel, always a big fan of that. And then at the end when they showed Triple H daughter, will put over a heel. Yeah. That is a, that that, is a big a difference. Yeah. yeah. And then the daughters at the end, that made my little dark soul feel a little warm for there for like 30 seconds. I felt bad oh for it. They immediately went That's over the there. father and of a daughter. Like, yeah, I was just like, oh, you know, she's boohooing her ass off. I'm just like, damn, you know, that sucks. It made Chad Gable look better than he's ever had because it was a, a range of emotions where, you know, he's looking great in the match, but he ultimately loses. You see his daughter, so now he's like a dad at this point. Gunther looks like, you know, the the badass that he is is now, you know, who's going to beat Gunther at this point? He's going to add some more days onto his record uh, reign. It's It was just a really well done show all about the Intercontinental Championship. And they went out there and just had a banger-ass match. It was a really good fucking brawl. Man, I love, just love that this was the main event and that yeah. they built the entire show around Without it. Without question. I mean, that that makes Chad Gable look great, uh, and it gives Gunther a spot to really shine. This match was really fun. Uh, the other big news from Raw was Jay Uso. Uh, well, this was announced on the pay-per-view, but Jay Uso is now on Raw, comes out and cuts a... Babyface promo, Sami Zayn comes out, they hug it out. Uh, a lot of hugging in wrestling lately. Um, Dude, fans are loving the hugging it out. I noticed that. As soon as they hugged, I was like, man, I was like, this is like the biggest pop you can get. Yeah, I know. It was, it was like, people love these guys. But it's the two arguably biggest stories that we have in wrestling right now. MJF, Adam Cole, baby, and the Bloodline in whatever form you have going on, whether it's Jimmy now doing some outlandish shit that makes no sense, Roman being Roman, Jay going over to Raw, it's still all bloodline in some form or fashion. And they did a really good job of telling the story that McIntyre has unfinished business with uh, Jay Uso because he was in the bloodline. They just fought not that long ago. Cody's used his political clout to bring him in. Uh, the other thing was Dom has that really weird conversation with him at the end of Raw, so they can go a bunch of different ways. And it's like weekly fucking storytelling. Who fucking knew? Now I want to see what happens on Raw. I want to see who Jey Uso's first program is. Damn, that! who's going to SmackDown? Yeah, there's that too. Uh, Ciampa did... Uh, Passed Jay in the back and went into Adam Pierce's office. So I'm thinking it's Ciampa that goes to SmackDown. I'm sticking with Cody. Oh, wow. That would really load up. Yeah, I guess Ciampa wouldn't be a fair trade for Hell Jay. No. So, Hell no. Hell no. This is why I suck at fantasy. <laughs> um, so, uh, Zach, anything to say about that? 
No, I didn't realize there was a trade. I guess I just missed that. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Yeah, I was about um, to say, it, it, I'll... You'll 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 see it on the back end when you watch SmackDown if you watch this weekend. If you have a chance, uh, I would recommend going to NXT and watching Butch versus Axiom, which was in the Heritage Cup, that was, Cup tournament. That was really good. Yep, really really good. Uh, both those guys can can go. Uh, Ali and uh, Dragon Lee uh, with Dom as the special guest referee. Um, that motherfucker ain't shit. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, and uh, Dude, his haircut is so Dom's level of heat that he got uh, was that was that raw? I guess yeah, it was raw. Ooh. They he couldn't. It was more. He always gets a lot of heat. Like, they were all laughing at how much <laughs> that motherfucker couldn't speak. He was just like, "All right, man, just give it up. <laughs> Somebody else needs to talk." Tom is not getting a word in edgewise. He is a damn near perfect wrestling character. Oh my god, it's so I, I had I had this argument with this guy on Twitter. I'm just like, dude, you don't get it. Okay, Dom is the perfect. Uh, dare I say the perfect chicken shit heel? No, it's like he was made in a lab. <laughs> It's like he's a Nepo baby who was, like, really, really soft with his dad, and now he acts like he went to prison. He's got a teardrop tattoo. Dude, I'm dead. <laughs> and he follows around Rhea Ripley and calls her mommy, and everybody fucking hates him. He's got a bowl, a bowl mullet. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a slime ball. Dude, I love fucking Dom Mysterio, man. The, the best he's, tr- they- he's unbelievable. The best day they ever did was separate him from his daddy because no disrespect to Ray. None. Now you watch. Dom is going to be around for a long time. He's going to be a manager when he gets older and shit. And the reason why he can is because if you kept him underneath Ray, you would always have that comparison. Once you broke him away and built him up and they had that WrestleMania match, everybody looked at him differently from that point on. Yeah, it was great. I don't even think about him as Ray's kid anymore. No, he's Dominic Mysterio at this point. Yeah. Um, and so Von Wagner, uh, I guess Braun Breaker killed Von Wagner at the end. <laughs> like, it cut to black, and Baron Corbin's like, oh, my God, he did it. And it's like, okay, so I don't know what happened. Uh, and then uh, well, some- You remember last week? Remember, uh, I actually watched uh, the last two weeks, uh, and he's supposed to bash his head in with a chair, but he just they shot the camera and go wrong, so he just hit the ground with a chair. Yeah. So they were just like, we're just going to make it go to black. We're just making <laughs> right? this thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to fuck around. We throwing this motherfucker through the wall, and we are done. <laughs> it's like, well, damn, that's quick. Okay, and then uh, we had AEW Dynamite uh, moving on odds and ends. Orange Cassidy comes out and cuts a promo. We got AR Fox versus John Moxley. I don't know how these guys get the. Was this an open challenge? And the AR Fox answered it. How did he earn the shot? Dude, dude get this. Get this. AR Fox has had 13 matches in AW. He's lost 12 of them. Been championship matches. What was that last part? Eight, eight of them have been championship matches. God damn. Wow. Um, yeah. Sakura comes out and basically, you know, makes Chris Statlander look good. Roderick Strong is doing some work uh, as <laughs> this uh, guy sitting around with the neck brace with the kingdom behind him and their hands are always on him. What do you think about Roderick Strong's new character, Zach? Oh, I love it. I, 
I at first it was very very annoying, um, like the jealous boyfriend kind of thing. But uh, he's like taking it to the next level, and the next break thing is very pro wrestling. I love it. Jason, what do you think? When he came to the ring with the neck brace on and then they took it off, and I know we had talked about this before, but this was the first time I visually saw it. I thought this was one of the funniest fucking things I'd seen in a hot minute, and they put it back on immediately after the match. I'm like, God damn. Okay, I get this Roddy Strong angle. I didn't necessarily like it at first. I was like with uh, three beer on this one. It just sounded – he just felt annoying like the jealous boyfriend. Now – he feel, he has you reminded me that he's a good wrestler, and now you've added this little twist to his character a little bit. Yeah, he's a little jealous, but I remember when Undisputed Era was super hot. I remember thinking, and we us having the conversation on this show about Roddick Strong might be the best one of them in the ring. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people are big Kyle O'Reilly fans, but I kind of was partial to Roderick Strong. Anyway, I, I like the story they're telling with him. I think it's really fun. I'm curious to see where it goes, ultimately. We talked about MJF and Joe. Uh, just to stop on it for a second, MJF just has morphed into a baby face so easily and is so over as a baby face. The crowd was a little split. At the beginning of this, because he did get a Joe's going to kill you. And then Joe just took one little jab at the crowd, and it was over. Yep. That was all they needed. And they yep. were all MJF after that. And they were chanting, Max is going to kill you. Max is going to kill you. Very fun stuff. Jason, did you love the segment? Yeah. Um, it's it, The only thing I really don't like is that Joe is a champion at this point, so it doesn't feel like there's... Yeah. Can't see him holding the ROH TV title and the AEW heavyweight title. That's the only thing. He would. He feels like a threat anyway. He would feel more of a threat if he wasn't a champion. It feels like there's the safety net. But the, the promo itself, I thought both guys got their jabs in. Joey, like you said beforehand, when the crowd starts to get on you or maybe turn on you, however you want to call it, Joe is just – just sidesteps that shit so smoothly. It's like he's done this before, you know, and nothing can rattle him at this point. It was the perfect guy to put across MJF because we've seen other guys wilt across from MJF. That's that's a heavy, heavy, heavy bright light that he shines on his the person that's across from him. So it takes someone that is just smart enough to avoid these landmines. Zach. How much did you love this segment? I thought it was great. I think the only downside was the middle, whenever they were just talking about the size of each other's dicks, so I was like, oh, this is like a literal dick measuring content. But they're very clever, and uh, outside of that, it was very fun. I look forward to more of this uh, more weeks. Yeah, um, my favorite segment of the night was Swerve and Hangman Page. Yes. I thought Swerve was so good in this and i fucking loved it and i want to see these guys wrestle now jason dude swerve sliced this motherfucker up. Sure like, did. god damn okay all right that's enough that's enough. this was a fight to be like all right you like, break this shit up swerve's beating them up too much but i can't say i, t- I totally disagree with it now where if is this going to lead to something for swerve we've been asking for a push with swerve he can obviously go in the ring. We've got him a character now. This feels like a, a 
feud that's non-Keith Lee related. So hopefully all, all of these things get him to that next level, whatever that next level is, whether it's the international title, the AEW championship, obviously is the end game. But there's there's room for Swerve to, to elevate, and this might be the guy to help him do it. Paige is a former world champion, but you know if you remember that or not. Zach, what do you think? Uh, I was not as harsh on uh, Paige, but uh, this it was like a nothing happening promo. It almost like he went out there with no plan. It was just like, hey, uh, Adam, you, you got to go out there and, and talk. And he's like, oh, look, I guess so. I'll do that. Um, yeah, that's fine, though. Swerve is uh, future AEW world champion. And they planted the seed here. With, you know, he said, I, I would be. I loved, like, the promo that Swerve gave Paige because he's, like, so oh, right about it. so awesome. Yeah. It completely worked. Aaron, Aaron was sitting in the room with me, and she was like, "Oh, so he's what did she say? It was really funny. It was like really like she completely got it, but um, she didn't like that Swerve fat shamed Hangman by saying he looked like he put on a couple lbs. Didn't like that. I'm fucking getting a little comfy. Didn't like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's from the drinking. That's not from the eating. Hey, Swerve said hey, it was from eating hey, stuff. Whatever, man. Shit, getting a little too, too comfy up at the top, huh? And then uh, it was Clubber Lang, Rocky from Rocky Three. That's what it reminded me of. The main event was Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne. Now, listen, I I love Nick Wayne being on TV. I think if I can watch an 18-year-old play basketball or play football, I should be able to watch an 18-year-old wrestle. I don't know if he should be wrestling Darby Allen in the main event of Dynamite. This just this is below Darby. There is no reason for to have that kid in the main event. I'm sorry. I mean, I watch 18-year-olds get fucked by seasoned professionals all the time. <laughs> and this was yes. maybe, maybe one of my favorites. Did you like this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was fine. Uh, they have good chemistry together. They work well together. Tough it, enough yeah, as it was, match. It was, it was tough enough. It was. It was fine. I mean, it it accomplished the goals that it needed to accomplish. Outside of that, it it probably shouldn't have been the main event. But I I get the why. So that's <laughs> fine. I got a funny text from a friend of ours that said Raw has Gunther versus Gable. Dynamite has two skinny nerds fake fighting. <laughs> Come on, man. Fired. Now, look, I, I get it. I get it. Especially when you look at it from that aspect. You know it's, what the legends of the main event at TBS television? Come on. It's two guys that Tony Khan wants to push yeah, and likes. I, know. Okay. I get it. I was happy for Nick Wayne getting a main event on the A show. Sure. Like, that, that, just Dynamite's like their A show and he's yep. main eventing at those. Pretty cool. So, in that scenario, it checks those boxes. Fair enough. I don't have a problem with that. It's just one time. It probably won't happen for a while again. Alright. This is banned from ringside. Uh, anything else that you boys want to talk about before we get into some birthdays? Dude, I'm done. (laughs) Uh, Molly Holly is 46. Raven is 59. Brian Pillman Jr. is 30. Sarah Logan is also 30. Don Morocco 
I believe he's RIP. 74, Matt Morgan. I loved his finisher. It was called the Carbon Footprint, and it was a big boot. Uh, he is 47. What happened to him? Where's Matt Morgan? Uh, last time I remember, I thought he was in uh, Impact, and for whatever reason, he he kind of just fell off the map. He was kind of a big deal on Impact for a while on, on TNA. Paul Heyman is 58. Uh, Road Warrior Animal. RP. 63 and Baron Corbin is 39. Wow. I actually kind of like Baron Corbin now. Yeah, kinda. he's good. He's good. Oh, wait, I'm not trying to give him too much. Hey, everybody, money. we know there's a ton of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours. For Amelia the Cat, for Xander the Cat, check. for Edna the Baby, for Reba the check. Dog, for Aaron check. the Wife, for check. Vice, for Tender Mahal, check. for Murray the Murray Man Murray, for Double Lucha check. Chris, for Patriot check. Pat, Triple check. for. Two beer, three beer, Zach Palman. Check. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Kanichiwa, bitches. I am Bill Veggie. Check. And never, ever, ever forget to boo the heels. Boo. Wait a minute. Bitch. Yeah, you fucked that all up. I okay. did. I got yeah. in my head yeah. about it. Yeah, hey, see? boo the heels, boo, bitch. bitch. <laughs>